If Murray had supported the show, I'd be less sick of podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> America's first. Ah, the blubbery bar. The Sending out good vibes. Leading virologists saying that this doesn't make any sense, what we're doing, that you know, we should have gone through either a herd immunity or or if you do distancing, doing it in you know, a very different way to what we've done. Yeah. Okay, guys, welcome back to the Grand America Show. We are going to be chatting with Bruce Fenton a little bit. Later, friend of the show, Bruce Fenton. Of course, this time we're not going to be chatting about Africa or Australia as much as we did the last couple of times or aliens. We'll get a touch on aliens. Can't talk to Bruce without talking about aliens a little bit. But he's been doing a deep dive on the COVID too. So this be some more COVID. I know you guys are probably fucking sick of it, but we're going to chat about it here anyway and uh, get you a little more sick of it. But we'll do it in the Grimerica way that you guys love. Uh, speaking of you guys love... We got Graham, Aww. International UFO Thanks, Congress Volunteer 2013. How's it going, buddy? Not too bad. Yeah, this was good because Bruce talked about his transition from, you know, fear to... He to she? Fear to, uh, what'd you call it? Non-fear? Fear to skepticism. Anger? Yeah, he probably went through the whole denial and, you know... The whole uh, we should ask him if he went through the whole five steps. Yeah, four steps. Why? You're thinking of the five love languages probably. No, there's five steps. There's four steps. No, there's five, dude. No, there's dude. four. Denial. Yeah. Anger. Yep. Bartering. Bartering. And acceptance. Sadness. And acceptance. Sadness. You can't just throw sadness in there. I, those a, are the five steps. Sadness isn't in there. Hey, Siri, what are the five steps of denial? Well, you said... It's not denial. Denial is okay. one of the steps. I found this on the web for what are the five <laughs> steps of denial. <laughs> It's the five stages of grief. That's sorry. right. Four stages. It's the five. I'm on grief.com. Is it five? Fuck, I'm just losing it. Which one the is anger? I can't find the Sadness wasn't in there, was it? Before. The five stages are denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. So it wasn't huh. sadness. It was oh, depression, depression yeah. which is kind of the same yeah. thing. So just be sad and accept it. Yeah, I'm wrong. I guess I just, I wasn't, I, don't know, I never went through the sadness part of grief. Really? You yeah. should try it. It's I, great. I know I should. Mm-hmm. Maybe they'll help me. So anyways, yeah, it was good that he went to this. You, more know, sad. To the you can use some more sadness in your life. <laughs> I don't think that'll help. He went to the skepticism part of this whole thing. And then, you know, it was right along, right along with me. I think a lot of us went through that. You know, because we heard from friends of ours and stuff that said, you know, hey, this is the 100-year pandemic. The scientists are scared, saying how scary it was. Now, I, I wonder about those reports that those trusted friends read and if they changed their mind about the scientific studies that they were reading back then. Like, I was, was that talking. Part of the, the problem with the models and was that part of the data problem or are we still dealing with the 100-year pandemic? Well, I was but, talking to a friend of the show, James Nation, today. He's a little concerned. About what? COVID. Really? Yeah. Because his buddy knows 16 people personally that have died. Wow. Oh, come and on. And I was like, what is that, everybody in Alberta? <laughs> I mean, I don't even know how many people in Alberta. 50, 52. Is it 50? So he knows most of them? That seems crazy. 
or he just hangs out with a lot of old people or, but James backed off pretty quick. He had 5,000 Facebook friends or something oh like that. Oh my God. Oh my God. I work at the nursing home. I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm curious. He's, he's well. He's he's a deep state agent too. He's just, James you know. Nation could be a deep state agent. We can't rule it out. We've met him at two separate locations that just happened to be next door to Lockheed Martin facilities. <laughs> the only two that are in Calgary that I didn't even know existed, but James happens to be working not at them, right but next, next door, door to like them. Right next door. He just manages them. I feel like the next door is like the shell company for Lockheed. Plus he skydives. You know, he's probably jumping out of planes for the deep state and he's stuff. He's James you know? Bond, man. He's James Nation. He's like the nation. <laughs> right. He was James Bond. He now is he's loving James this. Nation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he fucks with my IT. Like he's the one that sets up my IT. So, I mean, I'm totally hacked. He says he's I actually, I, mean, I talked to James today and he was happy to hear that you haven't needed his help in a while. That's because I just don't ask anymore. I'm Did just, you? Uh, yeah. Well, my computer's crashing at home a little bit, and I got this fucking Google program, this smart search thing that's embedded itself in my search program. I can't get rid of it. I was actually having some trouble with getting into the back end of the email uh, server. Not like my email, but all of Grimerica oh email. Oh, God. Because I wanted to change it to the car. So I was like, what's the password for that? He's like, I don't know. So I'm like, okay. So I just like, I go through and reset it and everything. And then like, after I do that, I get a text from James. He's like, okay, I changed the password to this. Yeah. <laughs> and then like, I, I like, I'm like, thanks. I just kind of disregard it because I don't need to get back into the back end of the email. It's like, oh a my once God, you a don't week. tell me you didn't write that password down anywhere. I think, cause you're going to go. No, no, just continue. So then, so then I go to check my email on my phone and no, nothing. Computer. No, nothing. Your password's changed. <laughs> <laughs> so then I start typing in the password. He's text me. Nothing. Doesn't work. Nope. Don't work. Don't work. Don't work. So I'm like, okay, I got to reset it. So then I try and reset it. Now it goes to his email. So I went like a day and, and you know, James, he sleeps till fucking 4 PM. So then the next day I'm up at 8 or I was up at 5 30 AM to go hunting. No email, no email. And finally I get a hold of James like two 30 and he reset my password for me again. So now my email's working again, but that was my experience with it. Showed it to James. We love you, buddy. We should, he says he's going to come back over, come on the show once this COVID crap bulls over, oh blows God. over. He, he's really scared of it? He seems to be pretty scared of it. I'm trying to get him out bird hunting right now. So we'll see if I can get him out of the house. And so that, he, he actually got a little excited about that. He wants to go skeet shooting maybe. Has he been in isolation? That's how you, like that's how you tell now? if he's, that's how you tell if he's a handler or not. Watch the way he handles a gun. Yeah, that would be like, oh, fuck. He just breaks <laughs> it down, puts I've it back together. <laughs> Actually, the shotgun we just grabbed, yeah, we had to put it together. It came in pieces. Oh, that's good. How's that? That's snap. Was it easier than Ikea? Like, how was that put together? Way the fuck yeah, easier than Ikea. Yeah. It took like was fucking instructions and stuff like 30 that? seconds. Snap, 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 twist. Boom. Wow. Cool. Then went and shot some geese with it nice. and ate the geese. How were they? They're pretty tough. Yeah. Pretty gamey? Well, the thing about... It looked like a pretty red I mean, rest. Marinated. The thing about geese is you're supposed to brine them or marinate them brine or make them. sausage or all these different ways. But, I mean, we had just shot some geese and we hadn't had dinner. So we were yeah, like... that was just the first time. We're eating some geese. How'd you Sweet. cook it? We just fried it up in a pan with some onions. We ate it. It was good. It was a little chewy. That's what the brining does. You soak it overnight. Yeah. But then I went, I went out and got a meat grinder and a, I've gotten rid of my golf clubs. I finally haven't golfed in a few years. So finally I've moved. I'm trying to find homes for everything. I'm trying to find I have a home for all this shit. And then when I'm done and there's this kind of pile of shit left in the middle. I'm like, ah, oh, 
I'll just start taking pictures of it and put it on Kijiji. And you know, you forget how much your crap's worth sometimes. So I put all this crap on Kijiji and now people are slowly picking away at it. How'd and you meet with them? I just met with them. Yeah. I know I bought We just like met that. and he was like, yeah, it's kind of, you know, neither of us were, you know, people are over it. I feel like, I feel like the fact that the buddy was already willing to meet me, I already know he's like not too crazy hooked on it. So he's willing to already meet me. So he's already, you know, one notch down from crazy, freaked out about COVID. So yeah, it was just a normal meeting. And then some other guy wants a couple of, I got a couple dog kennels in so there. you sold your golf clubs and you bought some. I bought some... a red dot for the gun, for the rifle. And then I bought a, uh. Heavy duty meat grinder slash sausage maker. So I'm gonna mix the goose now, two parts goose, one part pork, and make some sausage. Nice. That's mm. a pretty good trade for the apocalypse. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Like golf clubs will be useless in the apocalypse. Well, no, red they're pretty good weapons. Me, yeah, is it good well, done with my is my rifle with a red dot on it? You really only need two clubs. Yeah. You don't need a whole set. You I have a baseball bat. The wedge. Just bring keep your wedge and your three wooders. I have a baseball bat and a sword for those sorts of things. For the hand to hand. That sword is a decorative sword. It's not a real that's not gonna do any damage. If I stab you with that sword, you'll be stabbed. It's sharp. Is it? Yeah. You wanna fight with it? I still think I would probably pick the bat if I had to choose a weapon because that's like you couldn't (laughs) slice with that sword. If you tried to slice me, it would just be like getting hit with a sharp bat. Mind you, it'd still probably gash you. I don't know. This is a tough choice. But you get one good bat across the head and you're done. It's for the flavor, though. But if you get one good sword across the throat, you're done, too. Or I could, like, poke you with it, too. If you poke me with the bat, I'll be fine. It probably depends on what the other guy has, you know? Really. Probably better just go with the shotgun. There's going to be a lot of creative weapons, for sure. Best to go with the shotgun until you run out of shells. And I'm hoping not to, have to I'm hoping just to co- shotgun. I'm, I'm hoping just to cooperate with my neighbors and not have to do any conflict battle or anything like that. You're just gonna go over and give back rubs for burgers. <laughs> <laughs> Happy endings for steak. How long do you think this like limbo is gonna last? Do you think it's gonna I think think it's two or three weeks more, maybe. Really? That, That's yeah. it, that close, huh? I think Fuck, it'll get. We gotta be close. I think people they'll make got, it through the got, election at least through to November with with locking down. Well, I don't know about lockdown. It's going to be crazy, is all I'm saying. It's just going to keep. It's going to be weird. Crazy. Yeah, it might be weird, but I mean, there's no way it's going to stay locked down. I mean, it's just getting people. People are everywhere. People are fucking everywhere. Yeah, it's just going to naturally. People will start opening up their businesses. I bet even if they they're just it, they're fucking it's they're they're seeing through the narrative. I think as well. I don't know what the what the medical community thinks right now. And I mean, I went to Cabela's and bought a meat grinder and a red dot site yesterday. I don't even. I'm like, I was in there. I was like, how did these guys get classified as an essential service? Is it because of the guns and ammo? Probably has to be right. I think Trump passed an executive order. Not that it matters here, but you know, they kind of follow along. I guess that the ammo producers and the gun sales places have to remain open. They can't. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, it was good because I got that red dot. I'm, I want to get that out for some de- some deers this weekend. Actually, no, sorry, next weekend. Scout this weekend. Shoot next weekend. Nice. Yeah. So, what do you got? Nothing. Well, I got a project, an uh, operation uh, project. God damn. Or I got a quote. Project. I got a quote, double quote from the odd man out. His Instagram account. 
Whatever you want. Is it a quote? Now we're just reading other people's Instagram accounts? Oh, yeah. Giving them, you know, plugging the odd man out. He's a past guest of ours, and he's got great quotes. These are from the same dude. From J.R. Hodge? Yep. He made the quote? No, no, no. It's just he's posted a quote from somebody... uh from the book, I believe it is, uh, Between Two Ages, America's Role in the Technocratic Era from 1970. I was just bitching about technocrats. Yep. So you're just stealing JR's quotes now. Yep. Right on. I'm sure these are probably in the Octopus of Global Control. If he had a quote index, I'd probably find him. But. Maybe Charlie could make you a quote index. You think, I wonder if he saved them all someplace. <laughs> Profound quote of the week. Dan, can you guess it? It's the profound quote of the week. Can you guess the human? Wow, were we were we speaking about Israel and World War II on this intro or no? No. Did you see the list of dual United States and Israel Israeli citizens? Oh yeah, I know it's crazy. All right, so this is uh, from the odd man out. Guess who this is? You might you might guess it. You might make a guess. Two quotes from the same book. I think it's a book. Actually, it might even be some sort of paper or something. I don't know. Speaking of a future at most only decades away, an experimenter in intelligence control asserted, "I foresee a time when we shall have the means, and therefore inevitably the temptation, to manipulate the behavior." and intellectual functioning of all the people through environmental and biochemical manipulation of the brain. I'll read the other one and then you can guess. That's from 1970. The technotronic era involves the gradual appearance of a more controlled society. Such a society would be dominated by an elite unrestrained by traditional values. Soon it will be possible to assert almost continuous surveillance over every citizen and maintain up-to-date, complete files containing even the most personal information about the citizen. These files will be subject to instantaneous retrieval by the authorities. 5G. (laughs) Henry Kissinger. Close. His buddy, probably. His buddy? Yeah. Probably? Yeah. George Bush Sr.? No, he's got, a, he's got a daughter that says, it's in the media, and says Cheney. it's her job to control the message and to control the way we think. Her name is Mika. McLean? No. Mika? Brzezinski? Brzezinski. Zygmunt Brzezinski. It's Brzezinski. Brzezinski. Who is Brzezinski again? That's not, I'm thinking of, not, who's the... Who's the propaganda guy? Zigna. Was that him? Who's Bernays then? No, you're thinking about Bernays. Oh, yeah, Bernays goes way back. Like, okay. Yeah, he's, he goes back before, like, probably early early 1900s or whatever. Mm-hmm. And when Bernays, oh, we could publish some of his stuff. <laughs> well, we should. I've been thinking about that. Yeah, totally. Be good to have some of that. Globalist uh, books. Mm-hmm. Globalist mofos. Yeah. What do we got next? Project 112. I want to stick I want to stick along the uh the subject of biochemical biological and chemical weapon experimentation. Okay, sure. 
Project 112. You gonna do the jingle? It's just downloading uh, again okay, for some it. strange. I'll go. Fuck. No, 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 no. Just, yeah, it, it's, no, it's no, real. No. I can't. Okay, go. It, it, it gets me all wound up. It gets you all triggered. I know. I like it. Project 112 is a biological and chemical weapon experimentation project conducted by the United States Department of Defense from 62 to 73. So it started under Kennedy, was authorized by his Secretary of Defense, Robert McNamara, as part of a total review of the U.S. military. The name Project 112 refers to the project's number in the 150 project review process authorized by McNamara. Funding and staff were contributed by every branch of the U.S. Armed and Intelligence Services, a euphemism for the Office of Technical Services of the CIA's Directorate of Science and Technology. Canada and the U.K. were also participated in some of these activities. So its primary concern was the use of aerosols to disseminate biological and chemical agents that could produce control CTIs. What do, you, what do you think that stands for? Controlled something inhalation. Tempor, temp, controlled temporary incapacitation. Ooh, like uh, chloroform in someone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the test program would be conducted on a large scale at extracontinental test sites in the Central and South Pacific. And Alaska. And at Alaska? Where's Alaska? <laughs> and Alaska in Where? conjunction with Britain, Canada, and Australia. Did you just say Alaska again? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> at least 50 trials were conducted. Of at least 18 of those involved simulants of biological agents, such as BG. That's that bio. I can't remember what that is. We had it in the last one. I can't really pronounce it. And at least 14 involved chemical agents, including sarin and VX, but also tear gas and other simulants. Test sites included Porton Down, Ralston in Canada, and at least 13 U.S. warships. So the ships were part of another project called SHAD, Shipboard Hazard and Defense. Oh, it's creepy. I just get creepy of all this stuff. So wait, they did... They did experiments, chemical experiments, biological, on the sailors at sea off of the continent, so extra continental. I'm sure that happens a lot, and if it goes super bad, they just sink the boat and say it was a tragedy. But a few people got coronavirus on one of them, and it shut a whole aircraft carrier down? Exactly. So in January 61, McNamara sent a directive about chemical and biological weapons to the Joint Chiefs of Staff, urging them to consider all possible applications, including use as an alternative to nuclear weapons. So, and then in 63, Kennedy approved this policy guides governing the conduct of large-scale scientific or technological experiments that might have significant or protracted effects on the physical or biological environment. And then he says, uh, Project 112 was a highly classified military testing program which was aimed at both offensive and defensive human, animal, and plant reaction to biological and chemical warfare in various combinations of climate and terrain. So the SHAD, I'll talk about the ship one. That's the SHAD, the Shipboard Hazard and Defense. So that was part of the larger effort of 112, and it encompassed tests designed to identify warships' vulnerabilities to these attacks and to develop procedures to respond to these attacks. Okay, I'm going to go back to the other one for a sec here. Alaska. Alaska. 
And when was this again? This is 63 to 72. Yeah, 62 to 73, yeah. So there was a large variety of goals for these proposed tests. For example, selective protective devices and preventing penetration of a naval ship to this biological aerosol, the impact of meteorological conditions on weapon systems over the open sea, the penetrability of jungle vegetation by biological agents, the penetration of Arctic inversion by a biological aerosol cloud, the feasibility of an offshore release of something I can't pronounce, mosquito as a vector for infectious disease, it gets back to that releasing bugs, the feasibility of a biological attack against an island complex, and the study of decay rates of bio-warfare agents under various conditions. Then it gets into a whole bunch of chemicals they were using. Pretty gross. Man, what a job that'd be just to be some whacked out dude in the U.S. military just coming out with crazy projects to try. Totally. Yeah. These were exposed uh, by this journalist, huh? Six-year investigation to a secret program. <laughs> Is he dead now? Or can we have him on the show? Yeah, that'd be interesting, eh? Eric Lombardi. Eric Longabardi. Longabardi? Yep, Eric Longabardi. Hmm. Sounds see. familiar. Does sound familiar. Well, there you have it. Uh, these motherfuckers have been spraying bioweapons forever. That's probably where all these fucking diseases come from. Makes you wonder. Does make you wonder. Yeah, it doesn't say anything. It, it kind of leads to a dead end with Longabardi. I'd have to do a deeper dive on that. Well, when the U.S. got caught doing it in Vietnam, I think, uh, the U.N., that's when that all came together, and they said that you could do it in your own country, but you couldn't do it in other people's countries. Wow. With the whole rainmaking thing. Yeah, control, Project Popeye. Weather control. Yeah. And the aerosol spraying has to go with the the weather control. I mean, that's one of the ways to do it, right? Yeah. So... I don't know. And they did bring some of those projects like Lack Large Area Coverage and Project Do Operation Do we'll talk about again. And there's a whole bunch of those. Uh, Operation Bug Bomb. Yep. Big Itch. Big Itch was the bug that. bomb, right? Big Itch. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a good gang name. Rapper name. Yeah. Big Itch. Big Itch. Like Big Little Perm. Big Itch. <laughs> <laughs> that could be your rapper name. Speaking of little big itch, scrap that, scratch that support itch by heading over to grandamerica.ca slash support. You've been feeling a little off lately, a little different, like you're just missing out on something. Head over to grandamerica.ca slash support, sign up for a monthly, make a one-time donation, sign up for a Patreon. All of a sudden, that big itch is gone. <laughs> Seriously, though, uh, we couldn't do this show without you. We couldn't do the styles interview we do Without you guys, we probably wouldn't exist without you guys. We'd just be, you know, watching CNN or some shit. Um, but instead, you guys support us, so we keep doing this podcast, and we keep doing more interviews. We have Seam Harriman coming out right away. Coming up right away, not coming out right away. Well, he'll probably come out fairly quick, fairly I'm assuming. Probably, yeah. Uh, yeah, we couldn't do these types of shows without you guys. GrandAmerica.ca slash support. If you're finding a little value from the podcast, and you'd like to throw a little value back our way, you can do so at grammarica.ca slash support. What's the show worth to you? You decide. But uh, if it was worth nothing, we wouldn't be here. So we were just talking sign to up today. Charlie Robinson about uh, the algorithms watching for uh, five-star reviews with a note. 
and the, iTunes. With so. a review. I think that's technically a review. One's a rating and one's a review. Oh, okay. Good. Yeah, so rate and review the yeah. show. Grandmaker.ca slash iTunes. That shit helps a bunch. Please do it because not enough you do. And it helps. Both those things. Reviews and support. Spam, gram, all that great shit helps. We love you. We notice. It's fantastic. What else you got? That's about it, I think. That's you got a, anything, Michael? Or well, it's probably going to get more and more important as we move forward here, too. Because yeah. the more of that you have that's positive for you, it's going to count for something. Yeah. You know, it really will. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because we can't even talk about my Cyrus or any kinds of weird things. I mean, I was listening to a YouTube today that one of our listeners sent. Actually, I'd like to thank her for that. And it was that lady, um, <clears throat> Dana... Dana something, and she's spelling stuff out and seeing and having to edit her thing. So when she says Rockefeller, it, it shuts off or Bill Gates, like she can't say the whole thing because the algorithm catches it. So people are editing themselves with it, right? It's got to, we got to try and battle against this. The censorship is getting really bad. What In was Facebook, that on? What they can't platform? even, YouTube, you know? Oh, no, no, it was on. So that's my question. No, it was on, uh, what's the other one? BitChute. BitChute? BitChute's editing now? I know that's where you watched it. Or she was doing it herself. We're she on BitChute, baby. I think she was editing herself to, oh, okay. so that she doesn't, like, she's she having to self-censor. Oh, I see. So she's, you know, like like the Canadian lawyer that we should get on the show, Viva Fry or whatever. He's, Viva La Fry. It's Dana Ashley. I'll, uh, put a, I'll put a link. And it's f- a fantastic video, but she's talking about what in the world is actually going on document reveals plan. That's the document I was talking about that's called... Uh, lockstep from 10 years ago so she goes over that document and she also talks about all the protests going on in the world you know Mm -hmm. but facebook has no longer allowed protests to gather if you're protesting the lockdown facebook's not allowing you to do that anymore so Mm -hmm. i mean it's happening at many different levels Mm -hmm. yep almost seems orchestrated social credits here that's right with all this shit we're up against we need you guys on our side fight back this is what we're up against support support the show please we love you we got all this shit we want to do. Try and fight, fight back, communes and fucking meetups and all that kind of stuff. America.ca/support help bring that stuff into reality instead of another shitty fucking simulation that turns into a terrible event. Anyway, enjoy the chat with the one and only Bruce Fenton. We love you. We've got Bruce Fenton back with us. He's an ancient mysteries researcher. He's written Into Africa and Intru- Into America is coming out. 
Um, interesting stuff. We talked about him before with him on the show before, but this time I think we're going to, we're going to kind of talk about the current events and the pandemic and the changing societal, uh, bullshit that we're going through right now. Um, it's kind of a last minute interview, but we're trying to get some extra content out now. So thanks for uh, joining us last minute, Bruce. Thanks. No, I appreciate it. You know, it's good to be able to have my, my say, you know, and share thoughts with, um, people that also have a critical eye on the current events. Yeah, we just read, we just did an introduction for one of our shows we're releasing now, and Darren uh, read a bunch of our Facebook posts, a bunch of great people that are kind of saying the same thing. Like, I was surprised at how many people were actually saying, like, hey, I, I started out very skeptical, then I went through this fear process or this, uh, this couple weeks of, you know, trying to figure out how to handle this, going through all these emotional reactions. Now I'm back to this skeptical point of view. And that's like where I'm at right now. It's I'm back, back to where my original feeling about this whole thing, I'm back around to that again with a skeptical Mm -hmm. mindset going, what about all this data? What's going on here? And uh, we love your work. We love your, uh, your ancient mystery stuff. And and I guess we wanted to get you back to talk a little bit about what you found out uh, about this. Mm -hmm. Hey Darren. Yeah. I was super impressed Bruce because I mean, I mean, I didn't really get into it with you because I've been kind of, I mean, I do the show uh, every week. So, I mean, right from the get-go, I've been on the side of the fence getting a lot of mud thrown at me. But uh, And I've stuck to my guns in the face of some stuff. I mean, I do go back and forth on on what the end result is going to be, but it's always less COVID-related and more on economic impact Mm -hmm. or impact on people I love because they can't work or you know, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. I mean, there's this, this whole trickle down effect that people don't take into account now. Okay. So now some, someone's not working. That's a, that's a hit. Well, maybe that dude's paying mm-hmm. alimony or child support someplace that you don't know about. So there's another, you know, there's this, uh, there's this giant effect on society that yeah. we're not going to see for another month. So I've been there for a while. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, I, you, on Twitter, you really started out on the opposite side of that. And yeah. uh, me and you, me and you were kind of going back and forth a little bit from the end. And then the other day I seen you came and we, I, we had already booked the show, I think, or we, we had, we were already back and forth that we were going to do a show, but we hadn't picked the date yet. And then you came out with that other, that tweet the other day that I think was uh, a huge stand up tweet that, that you don't mm-hmm. see enough of these days where you mm-hmm. kind of came out and you were like, Hey, I know I've been spreading this, that, and the other, but after a lot of research, fuck, I was wrong. Mm-hmm. And yeah. um, there's a couple other people I've been watching, and I'm not going to mention any names. Hoping, hope, hoping they were going to kind of do the same thing, but it just seems like they're doubling down and tripling down and and quadrupling mm-hmm. down. And I think that's that's really one of the main problems with where we're at in this infodemic that we find yeah. ourselves in as on as a as a planet where we we can't fucking believe anything anymore. Like, where's yeah, your go-to? There's nothing. I don't believe the who. I don't believe CNN. I don't believe any of it anymore. It seems like it's all fucking fake. We've entered this realm where we thought all this information was going to be good, and it really seems to be having the opposite effect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I will say, I mean, although I was quite you know, vocal in supporting the distancing measures and, um, and isolation, um, that, that I also made clear from fairly early on that I would not support a police state that was associated with this because, you know, I, I do believe it's one thing to ask people, you know, ask people to do something, you know, um, would they please go along with this? We think it's for the best. 
Um, and, you know, because most of us have a social consciousness and an awareness that we'll consider that, you know, it's like if you, <laughs> anything, if I say, could you please pass me that cup? You know, you'll think about it, right? And you might do it. You might say no, and that's fine. But it's very different if I pull a gun and say, you know, you pass it or I, or I blow you away, right? I mean, this, this is what they've gone to this extreme. And I was <laughs> concerns me when, when you see that, you know, if it's a, a positive thing for the general good and you've got the convincing, strong evidence you can pretty much get most people to politely go along with things. So I've always said that, um, that yeah, my line would be at the creation of some kind of police state around this. Uh, and that, that has, of course, incrementally grown alongside everything else. But yeah, yes, indeed. You know, I also have changed my overall opinion completely uh, in terms of where the data was actually taking me. Now, this is not totally unrelated from sort of the human origins, human evolution topics that I, I write about. Because when you sort of think about it, a lot of the reactions that we have have come about from our evolutionary history, right? We are kind of programmed by millions of years of adaptation, evolution, you know, the benefits of social cohesion and harmony and all this stuff. But that's not, it's not a distinct area of research in that respect, okay? Because Fear and you know the need to get you know protection in groups and all these things. These are kind of hardwired, and it's really difficult to act rationally when a danger you know is supposedly is you know nearby to your tribe, right? You go into a very different mind state to when um, you know anything else is happening. Really, we have these fundamental <laughs> fight, flight, flee uh, strategies. We also you know we want protection. We will do certain things. In those circumstances, we wouldn't do otherwise. Now, now, all of that comes into play. And I've been sort of you know, aware that we don't act rationally when a danger is presented. And again, we're seeing that a lot, that people who normally would be quite calm, collected and rational have kind of been losing the plot. And I don't think that's funny because a lot of people call that an exaggeration when you say, you know, pulling a gun out and say, pass me the fucking cop. But I mean, as soon as those fines come in, I don't think that's mm -hmm. an exaggeration. That's a threat of violence because what happens when you don't mm -hmm. pay that fine now? There's probably mm -hmm. going to be, after 30 days, there's probably going to be a warrant out for your arrest. Mm -hmm. So now you're going to be detained and your freedom's going to be taken away because you were within, I'm, I mean, uh, it's a slippery slope. It's a super slippery slope. When they start, once they start, once mm -hmm. they turn on this cell phone data tracking, that's never going to shut off. And I mean, it's just, I mean, not yeah. that we don't know they've been doing it for a long time, but now it's just going to be, start becoming part of a court case. Oh, he, we were charging him with this. So now we can check his last 30 days of GPS and anyone he came mm -hmm. into contact with, we're going to web that out, three people out and, mm -hmm. you know, it, pretty quick, you're living in total recall. Well, yeah, and the, and the contact, this contact tracking is particularly should concern people because, you know, that after the the uprisings in in Egypt and what, it was it was tracking people and their contacts through social media and stuff that led to the arrests, you know, of a large number of people that you know had had spoken out or acted against the government, right? You know, they went through the electronic trace. You know, who who had you been with? Who had you sat with? And all that kind of stuff. That's a very frightening aspect of data collection. It's one thing that, bad enough, they're tracking you, you know, or listening to you. But the fact that they would have a legitimate reason to be storing, you know, who you've sat in a room with lately, you know, and where they went, you know, and who they sat with. I mean, hang on a minute. You know, the fact that that's, you know, profiled against you. I mean, that starts to get into some really hardcore Orwellian control grid stuff. And, you know, and it's not even, co you know, covert as such. It's telling you 
you know, we will have this file. And like, how does that make people kind of act and feel knowing that you are producing those contacts, you know, in, in your data file? So that you know, does it change the way some people even want to interact? I mean, that's, that's stuff that they can't just pretend it doesn't have an impact on you psychologically. But if I go to my friends, that's maybe that later on, I'm in some way pulling him in to a problem I might have later on, right? You know, this is, this is really stuff people have to think through. Yeah, especially combined with the censorship. I mean, we just talked before we started recording on about David Icke and the things that we can't talk about now and the censorship and YouTube demonetizing everybody and Twitter censoring things and <clears throat> and uh, even Vimeo now. So, you know, where where does it go from here now? You can't even question these narratives without being uh, tracked with your friends. I mean, now they're going to be like, oh, hey, you can't hang around with that guy because he questions the narrative of vaccines or of, well, of whatever. The I mean, fact that they're openly talking that they're self tracking people's cell phone data right now to see if there's social distancing makes me just mm -hmm. think they've been watching our phones for the last five years. Like they know yeah. every place we've, me and you have gone for the last five years just from some of the people we've talked to and some of the things we've said on the internet. Because if they're willing yeah. to just admit they're doing that to make sure you're mm -hmm. staying six feet away from your friends... We've got a major fucking problem. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And the idea that that data just goes away, you know, there's a trail so that, you know, it could be that in two years' time, you know, what if somebody does something subversive in their eyes, and so then they go through. So, you know, who did he <laughs> interact with the last couple of years? And he's just pulling up all this data, and how close did they get? Oh, that might be a girl that they kissed. Maybe she knows something because they were really physically close, you know, like really weird stuff that, now, we have to be very careful because that can implicate and pull people into problems well after the point when, you know, everything was calm and normal to a point when there is, you know, perhaps a major problem going on and suddenly they want to know who you're in contact with. That, that stuff should frighten people a bit because, you know, <laughs> that's a really dodgy area where those trails will be there on file, you know, somewhere for the rest of your life. What was it that uh, started to shift your perspective in the last couple of weeks on this? Was it the, sure. the police state that started to happen? Was that part of your thinking? Well, holy, you know, first they ask us politely. Now they're starting to monitor us. Like how, what was your. No, it wasn't so much that. I mean, that, like I said, like, yes, I mean, yes, I know. I mean, yes, the, the growing police state certainly had put me off of where this was going. You know, that made me think, well, this isn't just about clearly isn't just about a virus and, you know, a pandemic, you know, it's, there's obviously more to it. So that angle certainly, yes, made me look further into which direction this was going. But conversely, you know, I also just was interested in what is the actual danger level? You know, what is the mortality rate of this virus? Uh, how many people really have it? Particularly because I kept getting told by contacts and friends that they believed they'd had it. Now, if this was a new novel virus that's just arrived in, say, March, and it's hit the UK, what's the chances that, say, you know, half your friends are saying they think they had it during the winter? That that doesn't stack up, okay? So, mm -hmm. so, so then I was thinking, hang on, if this is widespread, you know, how far are we really from, you know, peak uh, and possibly herd immunity? You know, how can we justify a lockdown if, in fact, it may be already rampant, right, right. okay? That's a problem. Right. And then on top of that, how fatal is it? You know, because I'd like to know, because if it's like 10%, we heard Italy numbers like 10% of people dying of, of like COVID-19 coronavirus, right? That 10% is huge. I mean, imagine one in 10 people you know is killed. I mean, that's, I mean, that's like really looking at the collapse of modern civilization almost, right? Because 
imagine the shell shock of trying to process the new world where you've lost one in 10 people that you ever interacted with, right? That's, that's immense. So when someone starts putting those numbers to you, you, you want to know that that's real and like, what are you really preparing for, right? Because I mean, that's almost like head to your bunkers kind of stuff, right? Um, so th that made me rather skeptical. I wanted to see how could it, and then you realize that, hang on, in Spain, you know, it's like 7%, um, somewhere else, you know, you 5%. Like if it's one single virus, how can it have these completely divergent mortality rates, okay? I, it doesn't make sense to be 10% here, 5% there, 2% over here, right? Because otherwise you're dealing with different viruses or there's something else going on that is completely changing the dynamic, right? So, so that particularly flagged up to me that we must have some statistical errors in here and that we need to understand how is this counting being done? Exactly. So I didn't realize you guys over there in the UK feel like you had it last fall and winter too, but we've been talking about well, that here. I mean, you know, what's interesting is to be today, today uh, the Chicago times or whatever came out with an article saying cause Chicago has actually started doing antibody testing and they're mm -hmm. getting 50% antibody positives, which means that, right. that, um, out of everybody they're testing, 50% of them have already had this thing. And they know, yeah. so they're getting but antibodies in people that or? don't have the virus, which means they've already had it. And up to 50% yeah. of the people they're testing. This strain or? Yeah, which is exactly what Buddy at Oxford said, that he figures most of the people in the UK, the UK has probably already achieved mm -hmm. herd immunity. And we're just mm -hmm. now seeing the tail end of, you know, we're now we're seeing it. Yeah. And that's a big question. You got members. So the other thing that was flagging up was, if this was as serious as we are told by our government, why is there no discussion at all of doing widespread randomized testing yeah. to know where is the virus? Why aren't they worried about tracing it? Because if I was the prime minister and I thought this was like an Ebola outbreak, you, you can bet that not only would I be doing this lockdown, yeah, I'd understand in those circumstances, lockdown, but you'd have to mix that with widespread randomized testing, find out where it is, trace contacts, isolate, you know, all of that. That's part of that. You can't say we have a deadly pandemic, but yeah, we haven't really got around to buying test kits and, you know, uh, the stations are not up and running, but, you know, we'll get to that later in the summer. I mean, just stay hang on. Yeah, and all, all we're going to show you is a ambiguous, uh, like count of the and deaths. And not talk about how it's ambiguous. And not talk about how it's ambiguous. And, and all these, all these, like, this is the official, you know, COVID website thing. And it's got, like you said, the 12% in Italy, 10% in Spain, the U S is now down to 3.8%, but that's only based on who they, they've actually ended up testing. They don't mention and, that uh, in Italy, and, that the, the actual Italian government has now come out and said that that 12% mm -hmm. is actually only 12% of that 12%. The other 88% yeah. were other issues were, were something else. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's another thing is the other thing I started to notice was the lack of context for any of these figures anywhere. Because one of the things you start to quickly learn is that you have no idea how many Italian doctors die in a month. Right. You have no idea what the death rate of Sweden is. You have you know, no idea of any of the context for any of these things. You just suddenly are getting a blow by blow account of how many people died in Finland today. Ah, you know, and, and a doctor died on a bus. And you're starting, it's something to sound really dramatic and scary and like, oh, my God, people actually die. And usually I don't see that. And you don't get a blow by blow total of how many people died in Denver on Saturday. You know, these are not things you would normally have in your reality. Right. So it's 
you've got no context. You've got no way to know if that's normal. It just sounds like frightening, large numbers of people dying. But in reality, you know, hundreds of thousands of people die in the UK during the course of a year, right? Something like half a million people. I think they've said it's about normal. Okay, so like if you really want an update every day of like how many people died of cancer, how many people died of, you know, fatal accidents. Yeah, there's, I'm sure there's some shocking figures in there. And then at least then you'd start to have a context. But this has come out of nowhere, this, you know, this tracking of the deaths day by day and these big figures, which seem like, you know, insane. But then we have no knowledge of what the influenza deaths are normally, right? We have no idea how many people die of other similar breathing-related conditions normally. In fact, most people die at the end of their life, right, of stopping breathing. Does that, you know, <laughs> funnily enough, there's only a couple of ways you die, you know, and like your heart stops pretty much, or your breathing stops. I mean, <laughs> both have to stop eventually, right? But those two are how you finish. So pneumonia and breathing, severe, you know, severe breathing issues is one of the most common ways of dying. Now, that's something people forget. So, pneumonia and influenza often aren't recorded as a cause of death because basically, you know, you'd be putting that pretty much for everybody, right? For nearly everybody who died. So it, it, start, it becomes obviously silly because what it really is, is you're old, infirm, your immune system's crashed, you've got maybe cancer, you've got, um, you know, diabetes, you've got a load of things. Then in the hospital, you also catch influenza. So you will have that alongside other conditions when you die. But they won't say, well, influenza killed you. Because, well, no, if you're 90, you've got diabetes, a heart disease, like, you know, your lungs are failing. <laughs> influenza is not really the thing that kills you, is it? You know, and, and that is something we understand normally. But this year, doctors have been told they have to record every case involving this coronavirus, right? So this is not normal to do this. And some of the doctors are speaking out and saying, look, we don't do this with other influenza strains. So this we can't even compare it, really. It just looks like this big line going up and up and up for coronavirus. So it's yeah, yeah. The, the form that says uh, even if you suspect somebody that has it, like it doesn't even have to be a positive test for you to write it down on the thing. I mean, it's the most mm -hmm. ambiguous ambiguous way to start uh, collecting the, de the death stats. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. And the choice of doing it in hospitals, of course, if you, and this was a problem in Italy, particularly at the beginning, was that if you are hospitalizing people, normally that means that they're very ill, right? So you're, you've got people that are extremely unwell or critically ill, and then you test them, you find that they have this you know, novel coronavirus. Then funnily enough, out of the people who are already critically ill, a large number die of it. Yeah. You end up with, say, you know, 10%, 12%. Now, that shouldn't be that shocking to people, because if you think about it, they're already in hospital really, really ill, right? So if you're not going to sample beyond the hospital to the rest of the population, you're going to end up with a really a wackadoodle-doo figure that doesn't tell anybody anything about the severity of the condition. Yeah. It just tells you that, you know, really, really ill people in hospitals don't fare well if they have that virus, yeah. right? Yeah. Now, that that's something that most people seem to fail to understand. They keep saying, you know, no, no, it's deadly. Look at Italy. And, and as you pointed out, Italy has actually said, look, yeah, we, we have a really lax way of recording deaths. And, you know, looking at it now, we'd have to filter out 88%, which is a huge number. And, I mean, the UK is doing the same. I mean, look, one thing you can see, they keep saying UK is on track to having the highest figures than like nearly every European country combined. Now, just that flag up to people is absolutely ridiculous because, I mean, look at us. Look at this. Look at the size of those countries we've been compared to like Spain, Italy, France. I mean, look at the UK 
the little island, it, somehow we're on track to having more total deaths than all these countries combined. It's like, doesn't occur to anyone, perhaps this is a, a, a statistical problem and a recording problem, not that we've got piles of dead in the streets, right? So there's, it, it, it's strange in a way that this isn't becoming glaring to people. They're just taking that number, they, they're getting told, oh my God, this is, you know, this is Armageddon, that our hospitals must have the dead falling out of the windows by now because it's just overflowing with them. Um, and again, it's that lack of context, you know, that actually this is a normal number of people that die in these months every year. Uh, but we are now categorizing some of them as being coronavirus, which we wouldn't have done before, obviously, you know, or at least not this strain. Coronavirus, others would have been present. Um, but this strain of it is now included in those stats. So it's giving you a really skewed figure. But if you look actually at the first quarter for, of UK deaths last year, and you compare them to this first quarter, there was 5,000 people more, I'm sorry, over the last five years in the same quarter. We are 5,000 below the average, right? So we're down by 5,000 deaths this quarter versus the five-year average, Hey, But I thought tens of thousands of us, you know, piled up dead in the hospitals. Like, uh, this, how can it be that we have less this quarter than we have? Because everybody's at home, you, probably. I mean, there's less, yeah, there's less accidents. And, yeah, yeah. But it's a strange one. You know, that's you know, the context. If you take away that context, Nick, because nobody would know the average deaths for January 2018. You know, these are not things that are in your head at all, unless you go and look it up and look at the records, compare it yourself, and then you realize that this doesn't make any sense, that there's no signs of extra deaths, and that even the, um, the modelers, you know, that initially told us 500,000 would die, but then it turns into, well, you know, maybe 20,000. Know, and then now you look at the stats and there's not a sign of any of them, you know, not even, not even one. That's the trick. You have to say there's less. I think Gates is get that place, the I am whatever that Imperial. Gates supports in, in Washington has gone down. It went from 2.2 million to 200,000 to 81,000 yeah. and now it's down to 60,000 and they're thinking about lowering it again. I know that big mm. army hospital, that was a giant big thing. They were talking about that. They were setting up in Seattle. It packed up and went home yesterday without seeing a single person. And in Canada yeah. right now, people are yeah. freaking the fuck out. And I look yeah. at the Canada stats and just by the numbers they're putting on the Canada website, it says we have a 0.5% mortality rate, but mm -hmm. it's also mm -hmm. fucking nearly impossible to get tested. And there's no yeah. antibody testing going on in Canada. So you got to at least yep. put, you got to at least add one, you know, exponent to that. You might have to add two. Mm -hmm. I mean, to me to say that it's uh, 10 to one is a guaranteed. A hundred to mm -hmm. one is not far fetched, but even yeah. at 10 to one, you're going from 0.5% mortality to 0.05% mortality, mm -hmm. which is a huge mm -hmm. difference. And no one, yeah. I mean, I might be off when I say 10%. 10 to one, it might be 20 to one. It might be 25 to one. Maybe it's seven mm -hmm. to one. Maybe it's three to one. I don't know. Maybe somebody should fucking tell me what that number is instead of just saying that 0.5, 0.5, 0.5, 0.5. Yeah. 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 And that's without testing. Like, you know, if you have the same problem and the U S has the same problem that people want to test. I mean, one lady in, in uh, Las Vegas was telling me that, you know, there was one drive through test center for the whole of Las Vegas and that, you know, she has diabetes and other things and was begging to, to be tested, and they were like, no, we can't fit you in, right? So, I mean, what does that tell you? I mean, nobody is getting tested. You know, you've got, like, hundreds of thousands of people there, and they can't get tested, right? So you have no real data. Um, if there was a deadly 
deadly, deadly strain of anything there. They'd all be just dying, you know, right? Because you wouldn't, you wouldn't be able to trace it at all. I mean, here you can't get the test done, not unless you're in hospital. Um, certainly they're not, I've seen nothing offering, you know, oh, please come and get a test. And that has not been brought forward. They keep saying they're going to ramp up the numbers of tests, but these still seem to be focused on hospitals and possibly there's some testing and this, the NHS stuff are supposed to be accessing, but we were shown about a week ago these NHS test centres that were empty, you know, they were huge test centres, totally empty. Uh, the test kits that were being manufactured by a company in the UK were not being bought by the government, so the company was having to sell them all abroad, right? So we have the test kits you could buy. They weren't buying them. Um, the universities that have labs, right, had offered to help do the test. They, you know, the government saying, oh, there's not enough testing equipment available. So the universities are like, well, we've got hundreds of these, you know, I, I don't know how they do it, hundreds of machines, whatever, to do it, Right. And the universities were told, no, no, we don't need it. So like one was used or something. So does, does that add up that you're supposed to do more and more testing? The company that makes the kits can't get you to buy them. The universities that can do the tests, you don't want to use their equipment. Like what is going on there, right? Because if, if you really wanted, if you were really worried about the spread and you wanted to get your testing numbers up, like you'd be straight on to all that straight away. And these test centers would be packed with people. You know, so something there does not add up. And the fact that the government is still not saying we are going to roll out randomized, widespread, you know, high number testing to really find out where in the UK this virus is, you know, where it's spreading from, where it's, you know, in its cells and stuff. That shows to me that there is no real concern, right? And, that's the, and that should paint to the, the public as that. And that, again, if it's a real virus, that should make people very suspicious. And, you know, if you're really in control and you're the health minister, is that a picture you want to paint to people if you believe it's serious? to give the impression that, well, we've got really a laissez-faire attitude. But, eh, you know, it's somewhere out there. Just stay in your houses. Yeah, you know, it'll be all right. I mean, that's, that's a kind of ridiculous if we're dealing with something that's as deadly as they're painting it to be, right, with, let's say, 5% mortality, or whatever they're trying to suggest here. This, this doesn't make sense. Now, there's another point I'll make clear there as well, which is that for the WHO, you know, World Health Organization, they started saying, well, what we've done, you know, is we've moved the infection spread into homes. So we may need to go into homes and remove the infected and isolate them. But hang on, hang on. Right. So, so you can't widespread test, but you'll come in and drag people out of their houses and isolate them on suspicion of being infected. Like, wait, where the hell's that coming from? So, so that really was, that really happened? They said that? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, a guy from the World Health Organization, there's a video of a guy from the World Health Organization saying that all we've done is move the infection spread into the homes. Oh. So we'll have to come into your homes and take your family. I mean, that is so divergent from a, a government that is, and a, a system that is not doing widespread testing, but will leapfrog right across to dragging you out of the house on suspicion of being infected, right? So, I mean, that leaves a lot of leeway for any dissidents, you know, to be obviously wrongfully imprisoned in these isolation centers for a start. So, I mean, do you become suspicious, you know, suspicion of, of being infected if you don't agree with the government? I mean, that's actually a very dangerous way to go, isn't it, right? Very dangerous. It's suddenly, you know, all of us will be suspected infected. Look at his behavior. He must be infected with that COVID-19, <laughs> you know? I mean, like, I can't see how people don't see that as a, a huge issue and obviously completely disconnected from the supposed need to test us, Right. And testing is, again, that's an area that really flagged this up to me, that if Iceland, and keep in mind here, anyone, that Iceland, throughout its corrupt politicians, locked up its corrupt bankers, has a really good system in place without the corruption that most of Europe and you know the US and everywhere else suffers from, right? 
But funnily enough, they actually did widespread randomized testing, and they've tested like say ten percent of their population already. Yeah, and what they found was that uh, first of all, the fifty percent of people had no symptoms, right? So that's an important fact to know that there's you know half the people out there would never end up in the critical ward and being sampled because there's nothing wrong with them; they look perfectly normal, right? The, the, most of the others had no major symptoms; they felt a bit unwell, you know. And then there's a small, I think it's about 1% that end up in the, you know, in critical and of those some in ICU on breathing apparatus, right? So you're dealing with a very small number of critical cases. They also found that the the rate of mortality at present was around about 0.3% for them, right? And that's, that's very far away from that Italy 10%, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, like once you yeah. start doing that testing. Yeah. And that, so then I was going to ask you if you thought it was just incompetence of your government, our government you know, the health organizations or, but then when you say that, that who quote, I mean, it makes you think it's not incompetence, it's no. intentional. And then it because you've seen, because you've seen countries like Iceland that have done exactly that and come up mm-hmm. with the stats that we think it should be at. Yeah. That's the thing. So like, if Iceland can do it, why can't other people, right? You know, Australia has been doing some pretty good testing. I've said they've also been doing a pretty good job at turning their country into an Orwellian nightmare. But at the same time, they've done quite a lot of testing. And what they found was that, uh, again, is that their mortality rate is something like 0.4, right? And again, they're not doing fully widespread randomized testing, but they've done a lot better than we have by a long way. Um, and even then with some bias towards symptomatic cases and people that had come in from Wuhan and so, so much there was some bias in there. But even even then, they came to 0.4% mortality, which is, like, again, way, way, way down from these figures in, Euro- in other you know, the European nations and the US, right? Yeah. So anyone who does fairly large numbers of testing germany is another example of that yeah germany's another one germany as well the rate it was at one point it was like 0.5 and then they stopped doing the randomized testing they were told oh no you're wasting valuable resources only test the symptomatic cases so now of course it's spiraling up and up and up and uh, they say, oh, no, it looks really bad again in Germany. Now we've got like 3% or something. So, yeah, well, that's an artifact of abandoning the, the model that was working and going back to the one that's completely broken that everyone else is doing. So, I mean, again, why are you doing that? Is that intentional because it didn't fit the European narrative or something? But, you know, you abandon the model that actually shows the real rate, right? Um, and just in the last couple of days, we've had a couple of articles that come out from Germany we had, you know, one that showed that in the most infected um, city, that the mortality rate was 0.37%, and that they had around 15% of the people had antibodies for infection, right, which was loads higher than they'd predicted, right? They thought maybe a percent, you know, 1% of people or something would have had, you know, these antibodies. He said at least 15%, right? And that the mortality rate is really low. Now, there was another article came out from, from Hamburg, and the main um, team that's involved to doing the the, um, the checking to see what's, what's the one? I'm not checking to see what you died of basically, but the guy in charge of that, you know, he said, well, what we found was that nobody in the city of Hamburg who had died of this, you know, infection was free of pre-existing, you know, severe conditions that would have essentially led to their death. So, you know, you had to already be dying, right? And that then you would die. Not one person in wow. Hamburg died he was just a healthy person wow that's interesting right and he said this is all overblown he actually says i think this has been is being overblown out of proportion based on what we can see that you know the average healthy person has no risk right like hang on a minute well i mean the other interesting the other to put the like u.s one into context i think 
we were going through that last week or whatever. And it's something like the, on, on average, every day in the U.S. is 7,700 people die. 7,700 mm-hmm. a day. And it's something like, you know, 100 and some from the flu every day, 400 and some from pneumonia every single day, 400 and some from chronic lower respiratory syndrome every single day, 600 and some from medical error. You know, you start stacking some of those things up mm-hmm. and those aren't even the top ones. The top ones are like heart disease, yeah. cancer, stuff like that, where it's literally, you know, thousands a day, thousands of people yeah. every day from stuff that's probably pretty preventable through diet and mm-hmm. stuff like that. But no one's stepping in to make sure we do those things. Oh, no, no, of course not. Now, let's think about it. Look, if the UK is really saying that 20,000 lives could be cut short by the spread of this COVID-19, right? 20,000 lives could be cut short. Well, yeah, I mean, that is terrible. Obviously, nobody likes that, you know, that people you don't want people to die off early. Okay, like, if you're going to do that, you're going to bring in an entire police state, draconian controls to prevent that happening. Why couldn't we have just banned smoking and saved, yeah. you know, seven, 70,000 people this year in the UK? Straight away, strike of a pen. Didn't even have to buy out the police grid or anything. We just banned smoking. Take the tobacco out of the shops. 70,000 lives extended. Wow. You know, big win for everyone. Right? Well, no, no, no. And in fact, smoking, which is actually um, a problem, of course, with coronaviruses, because you are more susceptible and you're touching things. Also, you're touching the cigarette, touching you know, your mouth. Right? So you are more likely to get infected and you're more likely to die. Right. But it's an essential thing. The tobacco shop is an essential thing. And they're open. And you still buy tobacco. Now, hang on a minute. Where's where's the logic in that, please? Because I'd love to know why it is that coronavirus people are more important than smokers, right? Why is it those twenty thousand matter more than the seventy thousand smokers? And, and we're not advocating that you shouldn't be allowed to buy tobacco because I think no. you should. That's freedom. You do what you want, right? And if I want to go out, and I want to meet someone who's got coronavirus and inhale their breath deeply into my lungs. Yeah, that's also my right. I think that's my fundamental right. I might right. choose that over Bill Gates' fucking shot. I would. Yeah, yeah honestly, 100%. It's the choice. You need to have either the vaccine or show you've had it. Give me I'd a like, COVID sucker. Yeah, who's the nearest? <laughs> get over here, you know, chasing these coronavirus people down the street trying to get infected. So, I mean... Wouldn't that be quite the life. opposite, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Can I keep your distance? No. So, I mean, look, I don't think that that's even that crazy because looking at what the people in Hamburg, you know, and th- these figures, I don't think I particularly have anything to worry. Or I might find out I'm wrong, roll the dice, turns out I had an undiagnosed cancer. Okay, but that's that's on me. The same as if I smoke and I get a cancer, which was no one else's business but my own, right? And like, you know, and I, I know it's better to say, oh, poor Bruce, if I smoke, I smoke and I die. That's my my problem, right? The same as if I go into like an infected space and I get it. That's, that is also my problem. Now, there's another thing I want to clarify here as well, because we are told that this lockdown, you know, is going to massively help prevent spread. Now, the basis of that idea is obviously we're not going near each other, et cetera, et cetera. But we've been corralled into all the same supermarkets, right? We're just corralled into like the four supermarkets in my town, whereas obviously once upon a time people distributed between hundreds and hundreds of businesses, right? So your chances of coming into contact with an infected person was massively lower, right? And the other thing is, these, it turns out that the aerosol, right, spray from your mouth, basically the breath, or, it, it travels all around the aisles in the supermarket and that they, the virus stays live for maybe hours in the air and it's on the surfaces for hours and hours. And you, we all know you go and you pick things up. Uh, I don't want that. I'm putting it back. Nobody's got gloves on, right? Nobody's got gloves on in there. I look around. 
one in a hundred's got a mask on. So the air is full of coronavirus, right? The stuff you're touching's got it on it, the metal, the trolleys, right? So you've been corralled into a heavily infected environment, right? And somehow that slowed the spread. Like, I, I'd love to see the, you know, how that works. And even in the queue going in, you got to queue up. So I'm walking through the breath of the people in front of me all the way in that queue, breathing in all of their breath, all the way into the store for like 20 minutes of queuing. So, so, it, so, it's, so it stays in breath even if you're not moistly talking? I mean, if you're yeah, dry talking? Droplets. No, they, they did it. Several different universities ran the same trial. They found that actually it's not just in the droplets from coughs and stuff, that even just breathing, they think aeros- it's live in aerosol, which is just the particles everywhere. And they showed in a video that one breath, it went into like three aisles of the supermarket. <laughs> it was everywhere. <laughs> so the supermarket is literally a breeding ground for the coronavirus. And you're going through there thinking that it's all all being slowed down. But I think it's accelerated it because you're now corralled into a heavily infected environment. You you wouldn't have been in like before. It wouldn't have been like that. And I'm like, literally in a queue, breathing in. You wouldn't normally go into a supermarket in a long queue, breathing in everyone's air, would you? I mean, that's a, a really weird solution that I have to walk slow. Like one person moves along, I walk into their breath. The other person moves along, walk, you know, walk into their breath. I mean, that's, I don't know who's thought this through, but this was Ebola, we would all be dead. Right. With these, with these measures, we'd all be dead. It's absolutely ludicrous. That's interesting. Have you ever have you ever heard about the uh, this being a blood virus and not a respiratory virus? Have you heard that theory at all? Well, I've seen that there's evidence, some evidence in some people it, it has attacks the heart. And in some people, it may do not only some damage to the lungs long term, but possibly something to the brain. Also, there's some evidence it does something to the gonads. Possibly. Oh, yeah, yeah. I forgot all yeah, that. so it's not certain. and none, none of those are very well understood. They think with the heart that it can do some minor damage that as long as you, you know, they capture it, they can usually fix, right? The lungs, I'm not sure if that's something you can fix. But obviously in some people, it's definitely causes some scarring. Like if you, I think it's going to be people that already have pre-existing yeah. lung conditions, yeah. you know, that they're like to get these effects, probably smokers, right? And people that live in polluted cities. Because yeah. again, if you saw this, they've just recently admitted something, which I thought from the start, which should be obvious, was that the people in the cities have more of the coronavirus-related problems, the breathing problems. Why is that? Oh, because they live in super polluted environments with toxic air, and that one in seven of the people dying of toxic air already, which is like a crisis in the background. That again, we don't do anything about because normally we don't do anything about crises, right? It's only when it's for some reason the state suddenly decides it's really important to do something about one thing. Uh, toxic air, which has been a massive issue for years that nobody does anything about, um, that has a huge role in this because look where people were supposedly dying in bigger numbers, like Lombardy, like the most polluted air quality in Italy, uh, Wuhan, where like a year ago there was huge protests about air quality, and China obviously, generally speaking, has cities with air that, I mean, I don't know how you can breathe it. I mean, it's just smog, right? Um, and then New York, which sometimes has horrific smog problems, okay? Uh, London, really, really bad air quality again. So funnily enough, city people... If you have a severe lung infection, you're going to struggle to breathe smog, right? I mean, it's, it's not rocket science to think that that's not going to go well. And like you put on top of that, maybe you're a smoker. You're a smoker breathing toxic air and you've got a severe lung infection. I mean, it's, you can't just ignore the context of stuff yeah. and say, well, this is, called, this is coronavirus. It's like, well, I would like to know what other factors they are. Because we all know the saying that, you know, um, 
correlation does not prove causation. And so we have to be very careful with the idea that just saying, well, it must be the coronavirus. Okay, because we have two people that have the same virus, same age, same health. One's in London and one's in, you know, on the top of a mountain living from his organic products. And, you know, and, and he doesn't even get a sneeze and the other one drops dead. You've got to say there's other factors at play, right? Yeah, the problem is we're not going to get that context from anywhere. I mean, they're censoring anybody that talks about this on YouTube. I mean, people are using keywords and they're calling it the Sharona Cyrus instead of the We should start calling it virus. I mean, you know, it's my, my well, Corona. My Sharona. Yeah, I mean, yeah. what like you're it. not allowed to say is that I, I, I won't even get you in the trouble from it is to even talk about a certain new kind of communication system. Because I mean, people get their whole channels like just scrubbed and stuff. <laughs> And I don't even come from the, I mean, I still, I was talking about this last show. I think it's kind of a long bow to draw the 5G to the Corona and I'm sure people hate me for that, but I I just, I'm not seeing it. That doesn't mean I agree with 5G and telecommunications companies fucking rolling out this shit all over the place with enhanced tracking and everything else that they're just going to hand over to the fucking government and they're not doing any study tests and they're not doing fuck all and you don't hear about it because their lobby is actually more powerful than the lobbies you do hear about. Yeah. Like oil. See, a, yeah, that, that's a different problem. Like you said, there's a. I don't see it as causation because like we don't really have that network here. It hasn't really been rolled out. You know, it's in a couple of couple of cities, you know, in a few small areas. But again, yes, you, I can't link it. Like I will only make a case for something where I find enough evidence in the in the academic papers uh, from scientists that are experts in the field and from global media, which people would consider to be respectable media. Now, I don't respect much of the global media, but look, that's what people will listen to. If you start saying, I got it from a blog or YouTube, and you know, that's pretty much the end of the conversation, right, for most people. So, I'm quite careful in that I have, I've stuck to that to see, you know, okay, well, what can I get from those official lines? You know, what does it really suggest to me? Um, just looking through the media spin, but seeing what data is actually there. And there's plenty there without having to go to any sort of, you know, a conspiracy blog site or something. You know, you can see in that actual data that there's, you know, academics and stuff saying, hey, look, you know, the counting is wrong. Doctors saying, you know, yeah, we're putting these cases down in a way that we shouldn't, um, you know, leading leading virologists saying that this doesn't make any sense what we're doing that you know we should have gone for either a herd immunity or or if you do distancing doing in you know a very different way to what we've done yeah and again you know that we didn't realize that the aerosol factor was a plague people it was just droplets and touch but once you know that it's also an aerosol it means you've what well, all the things we've done have been pointless totally pointless <laughs> right because, Every train you went in, when you thought you were sitting a bit further away from them, it's totally pointless. It was everywhere. Uh, you know, the bus you went in, you know, the shop you popped into, all of them were infected, right? So, so you no way have we slowed the spread if it's, if it's live as an aerosol, right? It just doesn't make any sense. So you've got to say that we everything we've done and all these police going around with their drones, and like, that, that has not achieved one thing. And you can't prove it has achieved anything, right? You can't, can you? Because there's no data to then put it against. There's no testing. The whole, no, plus the whole we might have all had it already anyways. I mean, stinks to me of, of vaccines. It's the exact same fucking playbook as vaccines. Where instead of just quarantining the sick and the susceptible or treating the sick and the susceptible, we're trying to find a way to lock up all the healthy people. With vaccines, yeah. it's like the pharmaceutical company wanted to find a way to... Fuck those people. We don't want to give those people the shots. We the need to people. find a way to, to treat the healthy people. We got to treat the 99.9%. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. I know it also could be vaccines as well. They point out that they're not very effective in older people because of like the way the immune response works. And so, but they're the people that have to have it every year, right? So every year they get told to have it and it's basically not working, right? And that's if you accept they even can work, right? Okay. But they are actually saying, you know, in older people, they don't really work very well. But then every year, if you're like in your 70s, you're told to go and get a jab. For <laughs> what exactly? If it's not, if you're being told it doesn't function in your age group, why are you having it every year? Yeah. I mean, this is like this kind of baffling thing. Well, obviously we know why, because okay, there's money involved. But I mean, in real terms, why are you putting mercury stuff into you, knowing that the other component is not going to do anything for you personally, and that most people are not having it? So you can't say something like, oh, there's a herd immunity because everyone's having a flu jab. They're not. Most people don't have a flu jab, right? They don't. So if you're just one group of people, the elderly having it, and it doesn't function in elderly people, I mean, what? what? But then they've also achieved that same thing the vaccine community was able to achieve where they don't have to go out and fight the narrative because they've got a bunch of fucking, a bunch of Karens out there willing to fight it for them and say, the vaccine's good, settled science, instead of asking any fucking questions. The same thing with Corona right now. I mean, you look on Twitter, there's people from the, the province over threatening people from our province to stay the fuck out. I mean, yeah. that's, that gets weird real quick. And we got all, all these poor old fucking people dying alone in the hospital. Their family's not allowed within 10 fucking feet of them. That's fucking criminal. Things like, you know, with um, the vaccine thing, you know, people telling me that, you know, like, I'm not, I'm not what you call, like, I don't like things like anti-vaxxers. I'm so an anti-vaxxer. Like, but these things, I'm saying these are terms that are created, you know, like conspiracy theorists, anti-vaxxer. Yep. But I'm not, you know what, I'm not anti-vaxxer because if you could show me the science that there is a vaccine that will work for me against the disease and will not harm me, I'm going to be like, yeah, man, like, give me, like, three doses. I'm going to lap that shit up, right? Because I can see, no problem, give it to me, I want it now. But if I look at the papers and look how you trialed it, and I see that it clearly wasn't tested properly, that there were people dying in the in the uh, test stage, and it didn't function for the purpose, like, Funnily enough, I don't want any. Like, oh, you mean kind of like how we used to get all excited for measles parties and chicken pox parties? So we get a week and off now, school and now we'd be immune. People are saying that's barbaric now. It's unthinkable. They were saying like coronavirus. So people talk about maybe their children. Plus it's unthinkable horror. It's like, but no kids have died of it, you, right? you just wait, because I'll tell you right now, if they come out with some sort of global fucking Bill Gates mandated vaccine, or you have to have the antibodies, we're going to see mm-hmm. COVID parties. I guarantee it. The yeah. people are going to be, it, 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 it could all backfire. <laughs> Well, that's the thing is as well is that actually that is extremely sensible. No matter what anyone says, because the under tens, nobody dies of it, right? And now you won't nobody get it when it. you're seventy. So yeah, why get it when you're? Why wait and get it when you're seventy if you can get it when you're like five and it has no effect on you at all? It doesn't even show any symptoms, right? So yeah, they, they already started saying, you know, but you know, it'd be horrific to go to the barbaric thinking of coronavirus parties. You think why? Like, can you actually so explain it's like, what the yeah. would be? So it's like, okay, well, why not? Why don't we just take two months? Because we're all locking everyone up for fucking two months anyway. So yeah. instead of doing that, we should be saying, okay, if you're susceptible, blah, 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 we're going to figure out a way to, to protect you for these couple of months while the rest of us work through this. And we're going to yeah. build up the herd immunity so that you guys don't have to worry about it for the next couple of years. If you're in the nursing home, the nurses and everything are going to stay there for, you know, we're going to figure out something to protect those, mm-hmm. to, to mm-hmm. 100% protect those fucking places. And mm-hmm. then the rest of us work through the human, which I, th- or the herd immunity, which I think we're going to start to find out we've already fucking done. I mean, it's funny as well, because the things that people tell you are responsible, because I say, oh, well, you know, you're responsible because you let your child go near someone with 
Brown rice. But like, if I want to take my kid lion hunting in the Serengeti, I can do it, right? It's none of their fucking business. And that is much more dangerous, isn't it, right? So, okay, I take my kid lion hunting, got eaten by a lion. Then you can say, well, that was crazy. But people do what they want with their kids, right? They go off, they do all sorts of stuff, canoeing and horse riding. And yeah, like shit loads of it's dangerous, right? Shit loads of stuff you do with your kid is really dangerous. Yeah, so don't say that, oh, but then you let your kid talk to some kid with coronavirus. Ah, you know, you're you're the great evil. You know, it's like, Every what? time you what hop you in the car. About? Yeah. I mean, like horse riding, super dangerous. Super, super dangerous. Loads of people put their kids on horses. Like, I don't cry about it. I don't say, get your kid off the horse. You're abusing your child. You know, like, I mean, you, you've got to, like, get things in context. It's just because the media says that particular thing you do with your kid it's like, you know, barbaric. I mean, like, think it through, because it, like, I would never go over to someone and say, like, you know, uh, get your kid off the horse, you know, you're going to kill them. I mean, it's like, hey, there's a risk in life. Life comes with all these risks. You can't put, unless you're going to be in a bubble. I mean, I literally saw a video of someone in a bubble shopping because of coronavirus, right? But I mean, unless you want to go to actually be in a big plastic bubble rolling around, life does have implicit risks. You know, I mean, it's, it, it, no one gets out like, I tell you what, do you know, the, do you know the mortality rate of life? It's 100%. Turns out that it's this horrific figure. It's 100%. And I've estimated from my stats that over 7 billion people are going to die. I mean, that's, that's, that's my stats. They're horrific. So you're talking about uh, the 5G causation and all that, <clears throat> but the alarming thing would be what we were talking about earlier, censorship from David Icke and, and London Real. Is that mm. what, what that's happening in the UK recently, right? Yeah. Yeah, the Ofcom, which is the kind of the communications. So what, what's the, the Ofcom then? What is that? Yeah, basically that's our communications kind of commission. If there's complaints about a TV show, you know, there's too much swearing or sex or something, that you can contact Ofcom. They investigate and they can slap fines and, you know, measures onto a channel. Okay, okay. So, so they received, I think, 40-something complaints about David Icke's video. Oh. I think it referenced to the 5G more than the right, virus. Right, okay. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And the, are these um, legit? I mean, this is the problem with these things. With who knows? this is the yeah, problem with brain. free speech. Is you can just have people that are trolling that and causing this ruckus that aren't even real. Sure. Yeah. You know, they're faking just, it. Don't like David Icke. It yeah. Don't be anything to do with what's the content. You don't yeah. know. So then they have to investigate. Yeah. Now, probably London Real, who streamed it, may end up with the fine. They're always going to come down like a ton of bricks on them, right? Because they want on, to make on this. On who? On London Real? Or? Onto London Real, yeah. Because obviously they're going to want to make this like a showcase that you dare talk about these topics. Really? And you're going to get big fines, yeah. So they've made a big point. The BBC have put a news arc about how there's going to be this big you know, investigation into the broadcast of this show and all this. So they're obviously going to try and come down on them really tough. I don't know what they'll end up doing to London Real, but um, kudos to them for running both the interviews. Yeah, obviously, he ran one and he went ahead with the other one because he saw the amount of suppression that was kicking off, and he thought, well, he didn't have to agree with everything on it to think that you know he should, David should have the right to say it. Which again, most of us who believe in freedom agree with that. Because you know what, I don't. I personally, I know people might say about this, but I don't mind if a neo-Nazi has a YouTube channel. Like, <laughs> I'm not going to go on the fucking channel, right? Are you going to go on? I'm not going to go on. Right? So it's not a problem. But if, if you are into that stuff. I believe you can sit there, you can listen to a guy going, yeah, so we must build the fourth Reich. And like, look, if that's your thing, as long as you don't come to my house and start telling me about the fourth Reich and I should join or, or beating the crap out of me because you think you're in the fourth Reich. Like, up to that point, I don't have a problem. I don't believe in this thing of that we should close down everyone's channel. I don't like what they're saying. You know, don't go on the channel. Don't go on it. Like, it's not, how does it bother you unless you're on it? Like, people tell me there's codes, like Nazi codes in 
in these like um, Q websites. And I'm like, how the fuck do you know about these Nazi codes, man? What website are you going on? I've never heard of these. You, know, so you have to wonder when like some of the journalists, oh, but there's Nazi codes in what they say. And they want you to go to the web. I don't want to go on the Nazi website about their codes. You know what I mean? It's like, isn't there a point you're going to say, like, let these people live and let live? I don't have, as long as they, look, my draw, where I draw the line with anything is, if you incite violence, yep. right, you've gone too far. That's what I grew up like, thinking it was supposed to yeah. be like. I grew up thinking, yeah. like, sticks and stones and all that. You can say whatever, but you can't be hitting people. Like, that's is Sure. You know, you can't like, be inciting violence. Like, what happened no. to that? That's it. That would be the normal thing. Like, I'm a brown person. I, I, obviously, I don't go on some neo-Nazi website. So, I mean, at the same time, I understand it'd be intimidating as this guy down the street and he's telling me to smash my face. Right. So, there's obviously the line is always at that where it starts to impinge onto you, right? Where you actually, your day is kind of ruined by them. Right. And then you can start to say, okay, then, well, there's a problem with this person. Yeah. That person should be investigated. David Icke saying that people shouldn't use 5G, whatever he's saying. Like, Again, you know, are you a five-year-old child who has no ability to decide what you do? Because I can go and buy my 5G phone after listening to someone say 5G is bad for me. And he's like, I know all sorts of bad for me. Smoking is bad. Drinking is bad. Like, so what? I mean, like, we decide to do all sorts of stuff, right? So there's a weird idea that you can't criticize something or that people will just will do it straight away. Like, if you say it's bad, nobody will do it. And it's not right for the business. It's like, like hang on a minute. You know, that's not how it works because we're supposed to be adults. You can listen to stuff, ponder it, right? Make a personal decision and go, and go and do that. Like, I don't get this thinking that, you know, that somehow that if someone says something, oh, well, we'll make everybody do that. It's like, no, we're not two-year-old children, right? Where, you know, okay, you can instruct a two-year-old and they have to kind of do it. Well, plus but the media is not doing their job anyways. There's no more investigative journalism in the mainstream. So, some, you know, somebody has to question these things. I mean, it's not getting, Absolutely there's right. no debate, there's no questioning, there's no proper scientific, you know, debates on in the mainstream media. So somebody's got to do it. Yeah. I mean, I, I think you, and these horrific, the closing down of all these channels, you know. Yeah. Weren't you saying it got worse than, so it's more than just the UK though, like Ike's channel on Ike's Vimeo channel on Vimeo got taken down too. Yeah. And YouTube or iconic you or I, 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 whatever. Yeah. I was talking to Gareth, I think one of his sons, cause we're in the process of booking Ike right now. And, uh, this weekend they're scrambling because their Vimeo catalog got deleted off of Vimeo. So that yeah. just means to me, so, I mean, why are you deleting this shit? Because he said some stuff that you didn't like. I mean, that, that to me means he's over some sort of target. means I got to go listen yeah. to that shit again because he said something in there that you motherfuckers really didn't like. They pushed millions of people to watch David Icke's video. I mean, I know from talking to, I asked his son Gareth about it. So, yeah, and all the BBC have done, of course, is push millions of people to watch it by making a big point of saying you shouldn't watch it. I mean, that's human nature. It's like, I remember the glue-sniffing epidemic when I was a kid. Like, nobody knew glue got you high until the TV told you it did, right? Because who would have thought about sniffing glue? Nobody. Then the TV kept saying, like, oh, you know, kids were sniffing glue. So, okay, every kid thought, oh. You can get high on glue. I mean, we know that that's how, like, the media works, isn't it, right? That as soon as you say, like, oh, you shouldn't do that or something, you push people to it. Uh, also, if you don't do, as you point out, if you don't do good investigative journalism, reporting, give people the information, they'll go to other sources, you know, or they'll make up their own theory, right? Yeah. And the death of that good journalism is what creates most of the more baseless conspiracy theories. Exactly. Because then you have no information. You just think, you know, it's probably this. And everyone becomes a pub theorist, you know, that, you know, it's probably this, mate. You know, and I think it's that. And there's no real evidence. So you can't really dispute it. You know, we're not all knowing. 5G, I mean, is look, 
there is a problem. I mean, not necessarily with um, particularly coronavirus, but I mean, I just did a, a radio show the other day for Earth Ancients, which we were talking about the 5G satellites. So I, like, I went on this website. This is, to me, horrific. You look at the artists' impressions of how this satellite grid is going to look, and it is like prison Earth, man. They, they, they want like 32,000 of these satellites. Like and the flower of life over the Earth. Yeah, it's astonishing, man. You're horrified. The astronomers are saying that we're going to lose the night sky. You're going to look up and you'll at all times you'll see several of these satellites. Not like one once in a while. There'll be several at any moment when you look above you. They say it's the end of astronomy from ground-based astronomy. You're going to have just so many of these things glowing, flying around, yeah? And all the astronomers are, like, crying out, saying, stop this, stop this. It's a nightmare. And, like, nobody's stopping it. I don't know how he's got permission to do this. Again, question, like, why is this the agenda? Why Not only that, it's, it's an essential service. An essential service. And it's, they're still going up. It's pollutive, of course, all these rocket launches. They will talk about that because it's fine because, you know, agenda. It doesn't matter about pollution when it's the agenda. Um, are the phones course, not got, fast enough? Is that a thing? Yeah, like, is, are people like my Twitter's right. not fast enough? My texts take too long to go through. What the fuck is the problem, people? What is Nobody the problem? Complained. Yeah, 4G was working fine. Nobody's complained. So there's this weird rush. That it's so important that we would literally put millions of towers. Think about the the impacts of, of using all those materials, right? Constructing them, factory work, you know, the, the pollutants caused from all that. That's all fine. Yeah, and for these 32,000 satellites, no no problem at all. Despite the fact when it's like, you know, ecological emergency, this disaster, right? But we're going 42,000. 42,000, yeah. 42,000. And it's extraordinary. The graphic of it is extraordinary. If anyone can look at that and not feel horrified, then I don't know what's wrong with them because you realize that it literally looks like a prison grid around our planet of these 5G satellites, right? Um, and then you've got to remember millions of base stations, millions of base station towers as well. And think <laughs> about where camera technology is at. Mm hmm. So you throw yeah, 42,000 of these fucking things around the planet and all of a sudden you've got the entire globe probably yeah, zoom inable to some sort of square kilometer, I would say, Absolutely. maybe less. There's a, there's a, a race on amongst um, billionaires in space, you know, for a few things. One of them is in the low orbit satellites for surveillance and whatnot, right? That's, this is a major thing. If you look and see what's going on, there's a number of firms and a number of very wealthy people that are racing into space with all sorts of claims that it's to, I don't know, live on the moon and Mars. But when you look at their commercial interests, a lot of them to do with these satellites, secondarily to create, you know, internet and space to what have wireless on the moon and whatnot, because they want to mine the moon, they want to mine asteroids, you know, they've got all these things that they're planning to do. So they're testing out a lot of stuff that they would like to use around the moon, these satellites, and on Mars. You know, so we're getting tested with all these low-orbit satellites and other things that they want to roll out into space. You know, these weird kind of, you know, I guess it basically you think that there's a competition between billionaires to who's going to be Mr. Space, the one eye up in the sky, right? Which is pretty much their, their little, um, I suppose, competition between them. But that, that's something on the background. So I think people should be questioning that, you know. And also the... The 5G impacts on weather predictions, and they were saying that we may completely lose the ability to predict the weather. Is that something we want to lose? I mean, knowing the weather is pretty important. I mean, look, that can save like a lot of lives, isn't it? I mean, there's times when we, we really want to know a storm is rolling in. Like the fact that we'd rather have slightly faster, be slightly faster messaging versus people being killed in like incoming tornadoes. And I mean, like, at what point do we say something's not right there? I guess it won't affect the climate change model. So, well, not only that, here's just if you think that that moon shit and asteroid shit is crazy, Trump signed an executive order last week for mining the moon and asteroids. 
the people aren't really seeing the writing on the wall there because they the Space Force. You think, well, why do you need a, why do you need a Space Force for? But because you're going to mine the moon, you're going to there's going to be like war in space for this stuff. Like, you've got to think it through. I mean, there's a massive resources in the asteroids, right? Like more titanium and gold and stuff than on our planet, right? There's, there's going to be a mad space race and we're going to have orbital weapons platforms. Like, let's be honest, we've got orbital weapons platforms. I don't care what anyone says. Like, when you announce you've got a space, you're going to have a space force, you've already put something up there. Like, we know they had these secret satellite programs, the secret satellite programs. They've got the secret shuttle program, right? Please don't tell me there's no orbital weapons platform. Oh, have you seen there. that? Have you seen that movie, The Iron Sky? When they, when no. all, the, when all the countries pull out their secret space program and they, they show all the different ships from all the right. countries have their own secret space program up there. You know, I mean, and look, you know, and everyone's looking. They're all lying up this mining the asteroids and mining the moon and creating these little offshore colonies. So I mean, you know that they already know that there's going to be war in space. It's kind of obvious. I mean, we're going to have drones fighting each other up there. And the other good thing about that, and I'm not going to derail you a bit, is, you know, if you want an infinite, you know, war that you can keep funding forever, well, how about robots fighting in space that nobody can even see? Right? So you don't yeah, so I, if you're going to do it, you might as well do it like that so the rest of us don't have to fucking be a party. It is in a way, but at the same time, it's an endless war in it that you always got to fund, and you wouldn't even know if you're winning or not. You'll just get well, these stories. They're going to just keep stealing our money. Done really well today. We <laughs> kind of like nukes. More drones, and it's <laughs> gone forever like that. You know? It's like nukes. Are they real? Who knows? They say they're real, <laughs> and they cost a bunch of money. <laughs> who doesn't think that most nukes are empty? Because why build them? You know you can't launch them all. You just say, "I need another million. I got. I need. I need a hundred million to build some more nukes." You put a shell, you put the shell together, you put it into the hole, you close the silo, nobody ever goes in again. I mean, yeah. it's not believable, but they're all real. I mean, you've got a sample, people got a question. Do you need 50, who who needs 50,000 nukes when the first, like, 300 <laughs> will wipe out the planet? Exactly. I mean, fucking, like, you're lining like, your pockets. Like, come on. You're building I mean, yeah, underground I, I, bases and shit. Exactly. If you want to run secret programs, you've got to put money onto something. So how about the weapons that you can never use, right? Well, speaking so, of yeah, weapons and programs, I mean, what about the biological weapon aspect of this? Have you looked into the, looked into that? I mean, I saw a timeline that was pretty interesting on a video about this coming out of China and, and uh, being manufactured in the lab or stolen. I mean, there's a lot of stories that are kind of just getting pushed to the side here too. Like the fact yeah, that I they've mean, been working on a SARS yeah. vaccine for the last like 12 years with no avail, but we're going to be locked inside till they have this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did look at this. I mean, look, if we go back to the start of this, obviously we have the story that, you know, the Wuhan fish market, you know, supposedly there was pangolins and koalas and uh, alligators and, you know, everything in there. You know, it was a whole gym jamboree of zoo animals and everyone was chomping them. You know, uh, but then you actually look at some of the reports, the early reports. And there was a guy from, from Wales where I'm living, right? And he was one of the first people infected, you know, from you know, the foreigners that were there. And he, so he reported the symptoms and whatnot. But he said he was a regular in the fish market. And he said, I never saw any of these things that they're saying, right? Never saw any of these animals. But it just saw, they said the weirdest thing I ever saw was like pigs and stuff with the carcass with the head on, right? Does that mesh with loads of people sitting around eating bats and koalas? He never saw any of it, right? And other people have said that, I think the WHO went there, they couldn't confirm that bats and pangolins were ever sold there. So like, hang on a minute, because we were told, absolutely, that these were people just eating loads of bats in bat soups and stuff, you know? Like, where does that come from? Because the people that actually there are saying that, no, like, I never saw that. So you've got that angle. And then, of course, it turns out that more recently that um, some of the academic studies have, have shown that they do not believe it could have started in the Wuhan market, that, in fact, looking at the evolutionary history of the actual virus itself, 
that it was already in humans and it was there was an explosion in the population size of the virus at the Wuhan market, which it meshes with that timing. They said it was already present in humans. Yeah. So they don't know where it came from. We have, of course, these two test centers in Wuhan, which are highly suspicious because we know that they they admit that they were studying bat coronaviruses and they had recently advertised for jobs for people to come and work on dangerous novel coronaviruses from bats. So pretty weird. Um, Also, that one of the the research facilities said, oh, we were really shocked when we heard about this outbreak because that type of um, coronavirus wouldn't be normally in this region because the bats don't live in that region. So it's not like someone just popped into a cave, they come to the market. You'd have to have been in a completely different region of China, right, to get this virus and up in a cave in the middle of nowhere. So, I mean, again, these are kind of like, yes, there are farmers that encroach onto areas where these bats are. So, you know, it's conceivable. Somebody went into a cave, they got it. You know, maybe they went somewhere else and it's passed on, it's passed on. But again, so, but then you should see a spread in that area, right? Because why doesn't it not break out in some village near the bat cave? Yeah. So there's something a bit odd there. So that leaves these two test centers. Now, it was being pointed out that the Chinese government doesn't like a mystery. What it likes is a scapegoat, right? So why is it that we're not getting told? You know, we have arrested a trafficker in pangolins and bats, and some of the guy gets, he gets shot, right? Case closed. China's tidied up the mess. Someone's got the blame. But no, they're very quiet about where this has actually come from. Is that because they themselves suspect or know that it's from one of their labs, Right. Because that would mesh well with that. Because why is it there's no there's no signs of a big Chinese operation? Remember, <laughs> they're tracking, right? You, you're telling me they couldn't find the, the bat dealers and, and the pangolin people. Right, come on. This is an Orwellian data grid that they have, but they know damn well who's doing what, right? So they would have arrested, rounded up and arrested anyone selling bats and pangolins in that market within, like, hours, yeah? So, But we don't have that. We don't have this case closed. Instead, we have... Stories of, of blood and urine, you know, being spilt in the lab and contamination. People are going to isolations and stuff in the past there. And the fact that, you know, the, the, the lab itself suggested it seemed like it was something that they could they themselves. Could it have come from our lab, you know, with the leading researchers in the lab having to consider that? So, I mean, that to me is highly suspicious. But is it a leak? Is it on purpose? Again, we don't know. If it could be conspir- conspiratorial about it. In my view, um, there was a few things that stood out. I mean, we know there's links between some of the researchers doing trips to the U.S. We know that a U.S. A professor from, I think it was, I think it's right, Harvard. Stanford, Harvard, yeah, was arrested to do with biological samples being transferred to Wuhan. You know, he was getting a research center set in Wuhan and that he was working with, with another scientist who was a member of the Chinese military. Right, so, I mean, there's a really weird story there that people ignore. You say, you know, bloody conspiracy theorists. Yeah, yeah, three, yeah, Harp, yeah. three people but, from Harvard have been arrested that were all connected for, for spying for China. And then there's yeah. the Canadian Winnipeg. Yes, uh, there was something too. else that went through in, Winnipeg. Canada, yeah, yeah, yeah. The military, military games or some weird thing that was in Wuhan, apparently. Oh, what a yeah. tangled web we weave. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> And that's the thing, you know, and if, say, if you, you know, if they don't want conspiracy theories, well, don't get your leading researchers working with the Chinese carrying biosamples across to Wuhan, I mean, just before an outbreak. Yeah. I mean, it's going to make people wonder. And the fact that, you know, the lab itself, the people in there saying, well, yeah, we did think maybe it came from our lab. I mean, like, at what point is that not a conspiracy theory, but a reasonable kind of line of investigation? And even now, I mean, a lot of the mainstream media has changed its tune, where they would say, oh, definitely, we know it's not from the lab. Now they're like, well, yeah, it's kind of looking like it could be from that lab. You know, we can't 
we can't say it's not anymore. It's like, well, that's funny because you were so damn sure it was from bat soup in the market you know, before. And now you're telling us, no, actually, no, yeah, it does look like it might be the lab. So, I mean, that's that's a problem, again, without good investigative journalism. Everybody just parroted the story of the bat soup. Right? Yeah. Yeah. We, we had that. And it's still, but it's still going on. Like people that I know that I haven't talked to for a while, close ones. There's, they still think that it's came oh, from the wet market and bat soup, they, and like they, they've drank they, the Kool Aid. There's still some. Uh, there's still it's still floating around in the in the narrative there, and well, yet and yet the it. and yet the who the who as well. Like what they talked about when it first came out, they're saying, you know, it's not transmissible, and they're it's totally fine. totally uh, downplaying the whole thing, and they wouldn't. Why wouldn't they shut down all the airports if it was that bad? If if they knew it was that bad, yeah. right? shouldn't the who be on top of that? Of anybody. We're supposed to be following Absolutely. only their data right now. Shouldn't they have been saying, hey, shut all international travel down right away. This is getting to got to be containable. Nothing. You know? Who are you going to call? So that, that saying, you know, they say you know, the, um, the lie is halfway around the world before the truth has got its pants on. And, and that is absolutely the case here. That by the point anyone starts talking about the lab and where this is really coming from, everybody is saying those Chinese eating their bloody bat soup. And like Chinese people get spat on, they get beaten up and stuff, right? And you know that's inevitable. That's inevitable. When you start saying it's Chinese people's fault and the bloody Chinese eating these bats, you know where that goes. We've seen historically, anytime there's a big problem, you blame one small group of people or whatever, that they get abused, right? Whether it's the Jews, whether it's black people, whether it's Mexicans, they get abused. People you know, drive into them in their cars saying, you did this. And that happens. You know, you're really careful when you start pointing the fingers at people and their cultural behavior and saying that's to do with like why why my grandma died. Dehumanizing. Yeah, dehumanize, and you and you risk provoking violence against them. I mean, obviously Trump didn't help because he was there saying the China virus. Right? If, imagine you said the Jew virus. I mean, Jesus Christ, the things that would happen to you would be unthinkable. But somehow it was okay to say the China virus caused this. I mean, I, I was I have to admit that was. You know, it's baffling that that wasn't kind of fought through. That the well, well, they I think should have just was. kept I it mean, at the Wuhan virus. That would have been more acceptable because all the other ones are named after. Well, they should like, have just named Lammer. it CCP like they're naming it now. Like call are it the Communist the China Party I mean, virus. I think now. all that shit is a preemptive to war. That's where, honestly, that's where he I think this is all heading. Like that. There, there is this thing and they're saying we've got to blame China and that China needs to pay reparations and that China needs to this. Oh, and that, yeah. And that they, they're going to be the new world order. And there's this whole big, big debate now about where the, the world order will be after this and, you know, and just should China pay a price? And, you know, you can't help thinking, you know, is this being maneuvered towards a kind of, you know, a clash? Or was it a false flag for exactly that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, because there was a while China was saying, it, yeah. fuck that, the U.S. brought that here first. Yeah, yeah. And I think that other Asian nations like Taiwan and others had had one that, I think it was in South Korea and China, they, and Taiwan had also shared that they felt it may have been imported from abroad rather than an outbreak there. And again, the fact that we cannot trace it to the market and we don't know that it came from the lab, leaves there as an open question. Did it arrive from abroad from someone infected or in one of these weird vials of biological material that are being taken across to Wuhan? You know, right? I mean, how many of those were taken before this arrest was made? You know, what was in those vials of biological? I mean, we're not really told, you What's in the biological samples? What was being carried? You know, I'd like to know. Different strains, bat, yeah. It's a bat. Like, <laughs> any chance? You know, because that's an important detail, no? It just happens to be bits of bats in them, right? So, I mean, I'd like to know what the hell was going on there. So, there are some really big open questions there about it. So, my view is that, yeah, there's definitely more to the story. Could be some kind of eco terrorism, you know, think 12 monkeys. 
I mean, there are some really nutty people out there. There's a um, a few years back in 2005, I think it was, there's a scientist over in the US, he's, he's passed on now, that was advocating that we need a pandemic, hopefully of a virus that kills 90% of people, because that will help the environment, right, this ecologist. And he had a standing ovation from the scientists in the meeting. You know what I mean? You've got to think about this. There are some very whack job scientists out there that agree that we need to save the planet by any means necessary. If that means releasing some pathogen that wipes us, you know, brilliant. Yeah, standing ovation. What a great idea. Let's just engineer one. You know, so we, we've got to be a bit wary with just accept narratives and not think, can it be a bioterrorism? Does it need to be a manufactured virus? Because someone could simply find a, a dangerous virus in bats and release it. They don't have to engineer it. In fact, engineering it would put a red flag on it. Yeah, I wonder how they would have stopped the younger Dryas and the and the extinction of the megafauna and the sea sea level rising four hundred feet twelve thousand years ago. I mean, it's it's mind boggling. Mm-hmm. That's all accepted science, right? We were under a fucking mile or two of ice. Things have changed Global a lot. Warming wrecked that though. Oh, Cow farts, mind boggling. Dinosaur farts, so many farts. I, I think you know, we definitely look. We definitely should have a lot more investigative journalism happening and a conversation. Because if we're going to move to full lockdown and possibly some kind of confrontation with China, I mean, that those factors. These are huge, you know, huge, huge, huge social issues, right? The fact that you know we have to be in prison and stuff. And that we might have to award China. I mean, either of those things, we, we want to be a hundred percent sure what the hell is actually underneath that. I mean, those are not things you just slide into because I don't know, one news channel keeps repeating something to you and you know, without any data. Well, so, historically I mean, I, we do. Yeah, we do. Yeah. <laughs> and people, the crowds, madness of crowds, people people do stuff in a crowd they wouldn't do otherwise. So if you if you can get everyone flared up, you know, you poke the hive, the bees go mad, you know, and they all start singing that you know, we have that problem that you know, humans are not so different in that way that we do do that. And we like to go on, you know, we like to agree. You know, so if someone said, yeah, it was all those Chinese. Yeah, yeah, it was, you know, and oh, we should get reparation. You know, people tend to don't even say, so what you, ba-, you turn around and say, but what are we basing this on? They'd be like, uh, well, you said it was a good idea. He's one of them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I, I, I think that's a bit dangerous. I mean, I, I like to, look, I'm a researcher. I research things. I don't just, usually don't just say it. Look, I, I got, I guess, poked by the stick like everyone else, because you think, look, grandma's going to die and all that stuff, you know, your friend's going to die, blah, blah, blah. So at the start of it, look, you know, it's very hard not to go along with that, because you think, Jesus, they're telling us there's this deadly disease, and it's just going to wipe through us, you know, 10% of us are, are doomed, you know, so obviously that riles you up pretty quick, but once you get time to actually investigate and you realize that, you know, on all levels, this isn't true, that you've got Stanford now, uh, several Stanford researchers saying that they predict, based on the current downward slide in the mortality rates, that we are heading towards something comparable with seasonal flu. Now, these are not conspiracy theorists. You know, Oxford Uni saying they thought 50% of people probably had it. You know, other other teams saying they thought at least 10% of Europe, you know, already was infected weeks ago. Bear in mind, they found it 15% in this town in Germany, so that probably wasn't far out. Um, th- th- these are things that were being considered as almost conspiracy theorists, and now they're coming out one by one as being accurate, right? Leading virologists saying that, yeah, they didn't see that the profile for this matched, you know, some sort of deadly pandemic. And why are we being told then that we have to wait till, you know, a year, 18 months for this, you know, for this, this supposed, uh, you know, vaccine for people we don't know we can get? Like, it's strange, isn't it? That they can be so damn certain. They don't understand the virus, but they can be pretty damn certain we'll have something for it in a year. <laughs> Based on what? 
You say you don't you know you don't understand the transmission, you don't understand the virus. Oh, but we'll have something in a year, you know. Will you? And, and will it work? But you know, it, it, these are all real issues. You can't just say you lock people in for a year on that basis because you don't even know if it'll work, right? So you can't keep people in indefinitely like that. Also, the fallout. I know we haven't touched on this, but we have to sort of say what are the social consequences, the economic consequences, the health consequences of trying to imprison half the known world for a long period. Exactly. I mean, if we're still locked up in a month, we got to do this again. Yeah, and I think we've got a key question, and we'll see where the data is going then, because there's a problem here as well that governments, certainly the UK, and I think probably most governments in Europe and uh, US, they're not really changing direction enough based on the speed of change in the information. Because why is it that I can read, you know, is anyone telling me that? In Cobra, I, mean, I don't know why we have this, what sounds like an evil villain headquarters. <laughs> right, <as> our, <laughs> Cobra our, Command. Like our, Cobra Command, like what the hell is that about? It's like literally, I suppose you walk into Cobra Command, I'd just be like these reptilian aliens or something. It's, it seems bizarre. I mean, anyway, Cobra is telling us that, you know, so they're on the, you know, they've got their finger on the, the pulse, right, of what's happening. So, so they must know that these studies have come out from Germany saying that it's, you know, 0.3% and that, that whole cities have got no deaths in healthy people, right? So why is it that we're not getting a report back from Cobra Command saying, well, it turns out that, you know, there's a lot of evidence suggesting that the, the fatality rate is nothing like what we said, that the Italians have said they had 88% less than revealed. What's going on in Cobra Command? You know, I can't help thinking there's some guy with a white cat on his lap turning around saying, well, the narrative's sliding. How do we... How do we keep this going, people? You know, or one of my minions will die today. You know, so I mean, what the hell is going on in Cobra Command? This is bizarre. How can I know more than they do? And it seems to be then all the Cobra Commands all around the world are kind of on the same page, strangely enough. Strangely enough, everyone had the same response. It's just weird that all the countries that kind of get on, you know, the US, Canada, Australia, the UK, most of Europe. You know, they all had an identical response. I mean, that's like unheard of, you know, that suddenly it was just, it just, it was almost as if it was prepared, you know, like almost, you know, you're looking around, everyone, yeah, you all had to get into your houses, the police got new powers, um, people have been called up, you know, the Here's army, some cash. The, uh, up. yeah, the, the cash, we've also been told, shouldn't be using your paper money because that's got virus on it. So uh, they're sliding towards a cashless economy. Nice Here's and some smoothly. UBI, yeah. Yeah, it's all going nicely that way. And that we have the same kind of in places obviously with divergent like Iceland, um, Sweden. I be honest, I don't really understand this thing with Sweden, why they were allowed to do something else. I mean, what's going on there? I was shocked. Yeah, how are they allowed. how are they making out on all this? It is. Their... Sweden's always neutral. I think that's where the Illuminati lives. Yeah, it's a funny one though, isn't it? Why could, why are they allowed it? Because Sweden is gonna show that you can keep your country going in the middle of this um, outbreak and basically not put every business into bankruptcy and not have everyone die. So it's going to, I don't see how they see this as not looking very awkward you know, in, in another couple of weeks. And I just checked before I came on the show. I wanted to know, because um, we keep getting figures from Sweden. They say, well, the figures are going up and up. And well, they say 8.7. Yeah. It says yeah, 8.7 in the massive global, official global statistic list. Yeah, right. So I thought, well, okay, how many people died last year in February in Sweden versus now? And uh, there was 25 more people this year, right? So hang on a minute. You know what I mean? So 
these figures, you know, don't really tell us much. Again, it's that context, isn't it? Because they're saying, well, you know, there's tens of thousands. Of stuff. So if we if we then look historically, we should see a massive spike, right? Because the first right, the first cases in Europe, well, in Sweden were January. We know that the virus was on the spread in December, right? So now they're inferring that it was probably widespread in Europe from December. Okay. We should be seeing some deaths into January, February, right? But yet the entire February this year in Sweden versus last year, we have a total of extra 25 deaths. <laughs> Which is probably explained uh, by on. population increase. Yeah, I mean, like, or just by a bus that went off the road or something. You know, it's, it doesn't, that does not mesh with that there's been an outbreak of a, pan, of a deadly pandemic that is killing loads of extra people that wouldn't have died anyway, right? It suggests that some of the people that normally would have been dead of influenza have died of coronavirus, right? Which is obviously an influenza type basically within the influenza. So like instead of it being a known strain of influenza, that they had coronavirus. But you have no additional deaths due to the COVID-19, or maybe 25 people. But like you don't shut your country down because 25 people died. I'm sorry, you don't. I and mean, that's not heartless, really. it's just how governments work, isn't it? Is you don't say, well, you know, bus went off a road today. We've decided to get rid of cars and buses forever. You know, it's that just does not happen. So anyone who says to you, you know, it's callous, you don't care about people, like, look how countries have to work. They can't do that. They can't say someone fell off a horse, all horse riding is illegal. You know, none of that happens. You know, I don't see why now people are saying to me, oh, you just want old people and vulnerable to die. It's like, what are you talking about? Well, my my parents, my wife, my, you know, I have loads of vulnerable people. You know, it's like, that weird thinking, you know, that, well, you know, you don't care. There's 20 people. They mattered. Well, obviously, but if I'm the prime minister, I can't close down the country because 20 people died, especially because we know how many more will die because of me doing that. I mean, you've got to balance this. It's a complex thing because if I close down the country and I lock people in with their abusers, how many get killed by their violent partner? How many people commit suicide because they got depression? How many people died because they didn't have access to medical services? Like all of the operations and doctors and stuff are cancelled in the UK, right? How many people died because they didn't have access to their normal medical services? Like the, there is a, a balancing act here where you cannot just say, we must save 20 people, but 10,000 will die instead. Yeah. You know, what? What? I mean, well said. Is anyone thinking? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not. Well, hopefully some people are starting to think and hopefully some people listen to this and they'll They'll start to think a bit more. They'll follow the Bruce, the Bruce thought process, and they'll circle around and and uh, I think we'll have. We should do this again uh, in a couple months and talk about um, stuff that's not COVID related. We'll have a new book coming out um, June the first, so we can what? probably talk about that. Yeah, let's do a let's do a, like a full show on that. Yeah. What what give us a teaser on your new book and what that because we loved your other one into yeah, Africa got- and now this one's into America. Uh, no, this is um, exogenesis hybrid oh, humans. This sorry, is um, yeah. No, this is my um, argument for visitation seven hundred eighty thousand years ago by extraterrestrials and the modification of hominin genomes in which led to Homo sapiens. Basically, um, the first Ooh. book that will ever present actual physical evidence of this happening, including debris from a destroyed craft, um, also including well other supporting evidence that makes it very clear that we have an artifact on this planet which is from an alien civilization which has transmitted information detailed information to aboriginal people which i've utilized to find the evidence of this ship and of these genetic anomalies um it's going to be i think a, a game changer that it's the first time ever that we have 
the detailed physical and biological evidence for a contact in prehistory, which doesn't rely on any, you know, interpreting pyramids or interpreting yeah, yeah. Um, some glyphs or something yeah. like that, right? Yeah, so all the symbolism. I think it should be a game more, more than a symbolism mm. interpretation. Yeah. When's that? Yeah, June 1st? Anomalies. That's June the 1st. Yeah, and that's coming out with new page books. Um, people go on, the, on Amazon, they'll find this... Um, you know, there's some Easter egg stuff on there. Oh, it's like she is Easter as well. So you go on there, you'll find there's some stuff on the page, you know, from inside the book. Uh, Eric Von Daniken did the foreword, says, you know, it should be in schools around the world. I don't suppose it ever will be, you know, and all that. But um, yeah, he, he's, you know, and I've got quite a few people that, yeah, have, have already supporting that work, you know, probably less now because I'm I'm saying about the COVID-19 problem. So, I mean, I should be promoting my book. Really, I'm, I'm busy getting more people to hate me than to like me. But I mean... <laughs> Yeah, it's just the way it is. They'll come back around when the, that sounds, when the scamdemic's that over. fantastic. And we'll I can't have, wait we'll, to get into Yeah, it. we'll have you on like the first week of June and push the book. Cool. Sounds great. Yeah, so send, us a, send us a PDF of it when it comes out for sure. Yeah, I'll send you over the, uh, you know, the PR material after yeah. the show. Yeah, awesome. But, um, yeah, so hopefully it gives people, you know, all this stuff gives people an idea of why I have changed my mind and why I have some huge problems with what's happening. Yeah. Hopefully it'll get some people's blood pressure down. <clears throat> And you guys, mm-hmm. have, you have a lovely night with uh, with your missus. Thank Hopefully not uh, social Easter. distancing too far. <laughs> yeah, yeah, happy Easter. No, uh, no, separate rooms from now on. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. <Yeah>. Mutual masturbation. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like those Easter. It's appropriate because, you know, instead of being in the caves over Easter, we're all locked in our houses, aren't we? So yeah. it's kind of weirdly appropriate. Yeah. Right on, Bruce. Thanks, buddy. Stay hey, safe. Thanks so Take Good care. to chat with Bye-bye. you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And that was a chat with the one and only Bruce Fenton back in Great America. I think that's his third time, third time around. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. One time was with Daniela, his wife, and they talked about uh, their book that they wrote together. That's right. Yeah. I can't wait for his new one. Totally. But yeah, it's good to know that he's kind of, I don't know, kind of on the same page as me lately with this whole thing. You go back and yeah. forth. Yeah. But uh, in the last, uh, last week or so, it's yeah, getting ridiculous. It's getting up there, getting up there. If you guys enjoyed that chat, you know, if we had, if we had fucking sponsors or advertisers, we wouldn't be able to do that. Um, of course, the COVID has affected the support lines a little bit. We could use the support now more than ever. GrandAmerica.ca slash support if you can, when you can. Uh, we are still giving out the black budget feed for free for you people locked at home and out of work. Just shoot us one of us an email. We'll send it over. There's a few audio books in there. There's probably 100 hours of shit in there. Maybe more. Keep you entertained for 100 hours. Plus, you got 400 and some Grimeric episodes to go through. You listen to once, listen to them again. I don't know. And uh, if you find a little value from all that and you've got a couple extra bucks in your pocket, head over to grimeric.ca slash support. Help us keep going. Keep hope alive. Of course, there's a bunch of ways to support the show there that don't cost any money to review the show, share the show, show, sign people up for the newsletter. Most of all, stay safe. And be fucking nice to each other. Be kind. Don't snitch on each other. We love yous. Thanks for listening. And we will see you next week. Get your mind clear, keep up with the-
Listen to Grimerica on the World Wide Web. Hey, Grimericans, that's the way you do it. Donate to Grimerica on the World Wide Web. Hey, Grimericans, that's the way you do it. Money for something good, vibes for free. Because without support, it all comes to a grinding halt. So keep lubing the system with your support dollars, grimerica.ca slash support. Touch it and feel it. Let, let meditate with it on mushrooms. Like, do a whole spiritual thing with it. See what happens. You could uh, smudge it. Oh, it smells. You can't. It smells. It's a f- no. Your energy body's always with you. It's, it's it's around me. It's my aura that's around me now. It's interloping and overlapping with your aura. Keep your fucking energy being off of it. <laughs> all right. You're making it weird. Okay. Whatever. Just be present with me and love me. Keep your energy body off my energy body and we'll be fine. There's no overlapping. Interloping. There's no interloping. 
I might have used the wrong word there. <laughs> uh, long day in the studio. Yep, long day. Be nice to Graham. He's sensitive. <laughs> that's, that's the one that got read to me when somebody fell in the pool. <laughs> I'm more sensitive than I let on. <laughs> Most people are. Graham lets on a lot, so that's why we know he's... There's a lot under this, a lot of iceberg underneath. A lot of steam, a lot of steam puff <laughs> underneath. A lot of steam puff and ice stuff. Yeah. Cool. Okay, okay, that's, that's fine. It. That's our only rule in grammar. There's more rules than that, and I make them up as I go, so get used to it. <laughs> oh, look at that. It's disgusting. It's a half of a skull. And it smells. It's all dirty. I don't think you need all this technology. If it's consciousness, then maybe, you know, I can go to wherever I need to go in a fucking trash can if I can get my head straight. They changed their whole their whole meow and they started doing this weird, hello. <laughs> Take it easy. Not quite like that. They say hello. Hello. <laughs> There's a jingle. There's a jingle waiting to happen. The unique snowflake. It's all triangles. One day we'll be selling muffin cookbooks for 150 bucks a piece on some separate entity so that we can get paid for Grimerica, and that'll be like a thing. Head to suziesmuffins.com and buy a book if you want to support the show.